Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Call for the weeping mothers, the lost fathers, and the forsaken children. And let them come quickly. For a voice of crying is heard out of Zion. For we are greatly confused. But death has come into our ghettos. To cut off the young men and women from the streets of Philadelphia, New York. L.A., Georgia, Ohio, Florida, Mississippi, and throughout America, South America, the Caribbean islands, Africa, Asia, and all over the world. So return unto me, thus saith Yah, and I will return unto you, O my people. Welcome, listeners, to Time for an Awakening on Black Talk Radio Network. 
new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4.6 states my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people can turn this around. Proverbs 4.7 states wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your hosts, Brother Elliot, Brother Reggie, and Brother Ralph. The number to reach us tonight to join the conversation is 215-253-7263. That's 215-253-7263. The listen-only line, if you don't have computer access, access to a smartphone, iPad, or, or BlackBerry, or any other device, is uh, 559-726-1300. That's 559-726-1300. 1300 and that access code is 9585900 and pound again that access code 9585900 and the pound sign we're streaming live at two locations www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening again that's www blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and also we're on the tune in app if you uh, have your smartphone your iPad or anything your desktop the tune in, the tune in app is usually free uh, you can download it it doesn't cost anything and in the, in the uh, tune in search engine just type in time for an awakening radio program there you'll see the icon and you can listen live there that's time for awakening with an uh, a, a, uh, app on TuneIn. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. That's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Time for Awakening also has a page on fan page on Facebook. Just go to the Facebook search engine and type in Time for an Awakening radio program. There you'll always see interesting content being posted daily by Brother Reg. And before you leave that page... Just hit that like button. That's time for an Awakening Radio program with the fan page on Facebook. Tonight, uh, we're scheduled to have a special guest join us. He's been on our program several times. Historian, lecturer, and master teacher, Baba Ashra Kwesi, uh, will be here probably in the second hour. He's traveling, and uh, he'll probably join us in the second hour. So the first hour, we'll probably just... Uh, be an open forum. Uh, you can give us a call. But uh, Baba Ashra Kwesi will be here lecturing in Philadelphia at the African American History Museum at 7th and Arch. That's here in Philadelphia, PA 19106. That's, that'll be Friday, May 22nd, 7 to 9 p.m. The donation at the door is $10. Come out and hear the powerful lecture by uh, Ashra Kwesi, the African Mystery Systems, African Sacred Knowledge Hidden in America. His presentation is always provocative, always a lot of information, and uh, I really love the question and answer session afterwards, afterwards because the people really ask some real, real very interesting questions. But he'll be here, like I said, on Friday, May 22nd, 7 to 9. You can join us there at the museum. Um, 
and we'll be right back to get things started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. <laughs> Everybody is here. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley antiquity to the present our people need to develop a new paradigm it's time for an awakening sundays 7 p.m with your hosts elliot and reggie welcome back it's time for an awakening and as i stated earlier we're scheduled to have a special guest join us this evening baba ashra crazy will be joining us uh most likely in the the second hour of our program he's traveling at this time and he'll be joining us uh, shortly, hopefully. Um, and until then, we'll, we'll be in open forum. You can give us a call, anything on your mind. We can talk about it. Uh, quite a few things have been going on. And uh, give us a call at 215-253-7263. That's 215-253-7263. And just as I stated before, the commercial break, uh Baba Ashra Kwesi will be in Philadelphia here on uh, Friday, May 22nd. The event is sponsored by the uh, 1 million uh, conscious black voters and contributors, African Temple of Mayotte, in conjunction with Time for an Awakening Radio program. He'll be here at 17th Arch, uh, Friday, May 22nd, 7 to 9 p.m. The donation is $10 at the door. Uh, come out and share some of the understanding and knowledge. Bob Ashford Quasi will leave with us this evening. Brother Reg, Brother Ralph, I see that you're with us tonight. Uh, I missed you guys last week. I, I know uh, Ralph was traveling. He had a, uh, uh, some work in uh, Los Angeles, and Brother Reg had a uh, death. Uh, let the listening audience know, but I'm glad that you men are back this evening. Yes, thank you. Um, Elliot. Yes. 
mention to the listening audience um, that Brother Marcus, the local chapter representative of the One Million Conscious Black Voters Contributors, is going to be doing a presentation, a brief presentation, letting everyone know that's coming out to the African American Museum this Friday about this initiative and the benefits to them and their family for this uh, Friday also. That'll be great. Is uh, Brother Richard, uh, will he be uh, joining also in the presentation? Yes, but we're trying to let the you know the younger brother, Brother Marcus, who's very um, positive and forward-thinking, let him take the lead on this. It's time for us to you know let some of the younger people start taking the lead in some of these things because it's really for their future. Uh, listen, I totally agree. In fact, uh, before the program is over, I hope Brother Marcus gives us a call. I really want him to uh, to be part of the program, to come on and share different his ideas, different things. I, I know that he's spoken with you on several occasions, Brother Reg, and uh, you kind of speak highly of him. I haven't had the privilege to meet him yet, but uh, I'm kind of looking forward to uh, to meeting him. Uh, like I said, tonight uh, we're in open four. Um at least till uh, Brother Quasi joins us. Uh, and uh, just a couple of things I want to throw out. I know that uh, Ralph, you and Brother Reg have uh, seen some things going on this week. But uh, let's take a call here. 404 Erico, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Well, greetings to you all, gentlemen. This is Sarah calling in from Dallas. How are you, sir? I am doing very well. Reggie and Ralph, I hope that they are in studio with you as well. Greetings to you, gentlemen. Greetings, greetings to you, Sister Sarah. Well, Elliot, you don't sound too enthused. Did I, did I um, caught you at a bad time? No, see, say that again. I to open your monologue. I, I didn't want to interrupt <laughs> it. Oh, no, no, no. It's no problem. You got you got it, Sister Sarah. Go ahead. Okay, gentlemen. Um, here's what I wanted to talk on to free my mind, so to speak. Um, this situation, uh, I know you have an on Ashwa Quincy getting ready to come on possibly in the next few, um, in the next hour or so. Mm-hmm. What I, what I wanted to state is this, you know, we, we spend a lot of time focusing on our past history and what we, you know, the gloriousness of our history and what we did great in the past. But apparently it was not so great because look where we are today. The people who existed back then and did all of these great things, building pyramids and having this great civilization and structure, is not the same people that are here today. We are a people that, have been, that are totally removed from that existence. And it, it is nice to look back on the past and um, and try and say it was great, but it was not so great because we made mistakes. We made mistakes that we allow an inferior group of people because a different group of people came in and conquered us from the Egyptians to the Romans. Um, these are the ones that we know. But if we are a people who have been on this earth for all, for at least a million or more years, there were other people before these that are the most recent ones in history that came in and conquered and decimated us, and now we are such a fractured people that have been scattered all to the four winds. One of the things that we need to focus on, yes, we can look back, like the, like the Sankofa bird, look back, but then when you look back, you bring what, or what you left in the past, the goodness in the past, and you bring it forward. You don't stay stuck in that past. But all we seem to do is we seem to, um, with the Afrocentric movement, is we seem to be stuck in the past. We want to keep looking back in the past and wallowing and glorifying in the past, while with these religious groups that are around here, they are stuck in the future, and they are concerned about where they're going to go after they die and leave this earth. Nobody seems to be concerned about the present 
um, and what we're, what's going on to us here. We seem to want to let whatever is happening to us in the present, we seem to want to let it happen while we look at the past or we look to where we're going to go when we leave out of this plane and we go on to the hereafter. We have got to find a balance within which to balance it because too often that's what I see. Like I told um, Ralph, um, Dr. Jeffries and Professor Small were here in Dallas a few weeks ago. And I was very, um, I, I, I've always enjoyed Professor Small whenever he, whenever he gives a lecture and he's in town. But Professor Jeffries, like I told him, I, I would never go to anything else that he's a presenter of because he totally disgusted me when he came to town. One of the things that he totally disgusted me about is, as I told Ralph, if you are, if, if your um, expertise is on African and uh, African culture and African history, as well as Afro, um, Afro-American history here in these parts, you need to focus on that. You don't need to be stepping out into the political realm. Because for you to try and tell me, or try and tell me, um, because of the Democratic ticket and on Hillary Clinton is the best person to run for office, you have totally lost respect for me because I had to step to him and said, you know, wait one minute. Now, isn't she the same person, her husband, who did the omnibus crime bill and did all of these things that caused all of this um, mass incarceration and private prisons to be proliferating here? Now her husband and her, they're trying to backpedal because they need to get the black votes come next year to try and soften up the blow to say, okay, oh, oh, we, we are so sorry, and now we're trying to clean up. We, we have got to be a bit more sophisticated and stop getting played. And these not- are the people who keep playing us, who you allow us to be, oh, I'm sorry, Elliot, you need to step in here. I don't mean to run on like that. Because no, no, but Sarah, you- I wonder, I wonder, I wonder uh, say I agree with you 100%. You know what I mean? Uh, just like, and I brought this up to uh, Alton Maddox last week. They had the guy, Dorian Johnson, who was a witness to the Michael Brown shooting. Right now, him and his family are being targeted by police, being harassed. Not major news, but I'm saying independent news outlets such as ours mm-hmm. should be getting the information out there, letting people know that these people who were witnesses to these crimes are being harassed right now. Mm-hmm. You have the guy, Ramsey Order who just got released from prison. They was feeding him rat poison in prison. Independent news media like this one should be reporting that to the police and letting people know the man that filmed Eric Gardner's murder is the same, is, was thrown behind bars. His family was targeted. These are things that's affecting us in the here and now. So I agree with you about, like, learning about the past, yeah, that's fine. I mean, because... You know, I, I look at the past sometime because I, I've never been to some of these places that other scholars have told me about. So to me, it's like a religion. It's like another religion to me. It was a glorious past and all that, all that's good. But it's not doing nothing for us under this oppression right now. So I, I, I follow what you're saying. And any anytime some so-called scholar comes on here and tell us to pull the lever for the Democratic Party, I got to take a look at him cross-eyed anyway. So, you know, I agree with you, and that's just my opinion. You know, enough of this emotional foolishness. You know, we got to really look and see exactly what's going on here. Our folks Mm -hmm. are suffering. They're suffering in California. They're suffering in Michigan. There are people in Michigan without any water. I mean, and these things are getting increasingly worse by this so-called party, you know, because... 
that's who we always vote for. That, but everything we're suffering under this party. So, in so just so the illusion can be pulled off our eyes, we need to enlighten up. Just like this program, time for an awakening. Well, all right, we had a glorious past. That's great. What is what are we going to do today? That that you know exactly. that's the question. So you know, I'll let you finish. I'm, I apologize for cutting you off, but I, I no no. That's sir, good, let me, that's good, Ralph. Let me say you something, Rep. A reference to what you were saying. Uh, I uh, also agree with you that we need a balance. Uh, but the thing is this, and this is my opinion, that a lot of our people don't know their past. I mean, we take for granted that we might know some semblances of our illustrious past. And I'm quite sure that we all agree, in order for us to move forward, we have to know our past. Because we can't really determine our future unless we know our past the majority of our people the overwhelming majority of our people what they know of their past is slavery our people didn't start in slavery Uh, some people know about slavery Uh, some people don't even want to talk about slavery so beyond slavery the overwhelming majority of our people don't know uh, their past I mean if Mm -hmm. these things are taught and taught to our people where we can unify. Because if our people really knew about their past and the glorious past of our ancestors, we would try our best to unify. Uh, We're not unifying. And there's a lot of factors involved in that. I think one of you, I think it was you, Sarah, that mentioned religion. That's one Mm -hmm. thing that's keeping our people disunified. And the Europeans know it. That's why they introduced a lot of these religious philosophies among our people to keep our people in the fall. And to keep our people looking to heaven when we're catching hell right here on earth. So I, I think it's a, uh, it's a balance needed. I do agree with that. And, um, and which is the same thing that, that I was telling, um, you know, Ralph and a couple of other friends of mine, is that we are so heavenly bound that we are no damn earthly good. Because we are focused so much on the hereafter, which is what religion does. Religion prepares you for in the hereafter. It doesn't prepare you for this life. And your spiritual well-being, you need to be able to balance um, balance it out. And unfortunately for us, everything is focused on what you're going to do in the, um, in the hereafter. And you'll be looking around our community. We have the most churches and everything. Like I, I was telling a friend of mine, the street that, that's above us, there are two churches right diagonally across from each other. One is the Church of God in Christ, and the other one is a missionary Baptist church. Mm-hmm. We, you go into any community in the black community, we have more, more of these religious entities in the hood, and we are in the worst shape possible whatsoever. You would think that if it is so great for us, we should be above and beyond all reproach. But you go into the white community, they would only have one church. You would only have one church in there. You go to the Asian community, a Buddhist temple or whatever, they got one. The Muslims are the same way, too, with their mosque or whatever. They don't have all of this stuff on every corner. You find you got a, a church in every corner and hell in between. That's how we have it set up. So you should know that there is no positive spiritual energy that's flowing from these and things that you are putting up. It's not doing us any good, and we need to stop it. But people always say, oh, oh, we're the most spiritual people. No, we're the most spiritually deprived people. That's what we are. Because if Sister we were Sarah. spiritual people, yes, um, Reggie. Yeah, I just want to. I just want to ask you a question. I don't really have anything to take away from what uh, yourself and brother Ralph has said, or brother Elliot. I I, I do agree with the the balance and and how you started off. I I, I agree with that. 
what I want to ask you, based on the situation of black people in this country in the diaspora, do you think when you're talking about being heaven bound, looking forward and looking back in the past for us, a lot of us, that's almost a form of escapism, being able to deal with the, tra- the, the, the trauma that we have dealt with as a people. I just wanted to put to ask you that question and find out your thoughts about that. Yes, I believe it's a, it's a form of, um, of trying to get our trauma. That's why I was telling a friend of mine earlier today, that is why a lot of us, when we go to church, and you see people calling themselves getting the Holy Ghost and they're crying and they're running back and forth and they're letting off this energy. This is just a pressure release valve for them. It's a means for you to let loose of all this stuff, you know, your, your, your bad home life, your children, your job, you know, all of these things that have been compacting us for the whole week. When you go into this church, you get this emotional release, and that's why you do it. And people call it catching the Holy Ghost. No, you're catching the Holy Ghost. You're letting loose of that devil that was occupying you for that whole week. You're trying to get it out of your system. That's why you run back and forth and you do all this scream, you holler, you cry, and whatever, because it's a sense of relief. And then when you get out of there, you're able to cope. Now, I can, you know, I can cope for the next few more days until midweek service when you could go and you could let off some more, and then suddenly you let off the rest. That, that's how this is a pressure relief. But it has nothing to do with our spiritual growth and what it is that you're going to do for yourself. It is just a temporary fix. And we have got to find a way in order to permanently solve this 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 um quagmire that we are stuck in. And all of these these people who are coming around here, these these scholars who have started off great, and then and then they get themselves stuck into the political realm. They get stuck on on the democratic ticket. I always tell people the democratic ticket. They're um the Ku Klux Klan was formed under the Democrats. All of these cities that we're looking around this country and we've seen the deplorable condition black people are in from Philadelphia, Baltimore, Detroit, Chicago, L.A., you name it, this is all the Democratic leadership. Whether they put a black person in front to be a mascot to take the blame for it, it is all on the Democratic leadership. Let me throw in Atlanta, too, my former hometown. All of them you put in there, they're under Democratic leadership where this stuff is going on. For you to keep telling us, that you need to look and vote and put these people in there. Whether you look in Baltimore with Stephanie Rollins Blake and Marilyn Mosby and all of these other people who are being put out there, and people are always talking about, oh, we have black women are ruling. Black women are not ruling anything. We are being put out here as scapegoats from the Loretta Lynch to all of them. We are put out here as scapegoats because white people are still pulling the strings in the background. And they're throwing us out front because they know we're going to focus on these black people. We're going to dump everything on them. We're going to blame them for everything. But they're not really in charge because this is not our system. This is not our system. These people are here to represent that empire that this system stands for. Because when you elect someone and you put them in office, they're a representative of this empire that's oppressing you. They're not there to represent us. And, Sarah, if if you Google Rollins Blake, and ex-governor O'Malley of Maryland, she's nothing but a clone of him, one of his understudies. I mean, it looks very suspicious when I look mm-hmm. at some of those photos, like, whoa, what's going on here? So Google that. You know what I mean? So we know who, where she's coming from. Matter of fact, I know where all of them are coming from. I told you my opinion of them. They're nothing mm-hmm. but a house you-know-what. 
because they, they're only put there to take care of master's business and forget about the people who put them in the house. So, you know, that, that, exactly. yeah, so that's where I'm at with this whole thing about pulling a lever for these people. Just Google some of the pictures. You'll be shocked. You will I'm be. not going to be shocked. And, I, I'm never shocked at anything because, as I tell people, white, the white men have always had access to black women to, to, use, to use as bed wenches and side pieces or whatever they want to do. They've always used, used us for that. Nowadays, in modern times, some of us might need to go down to the courthouse and get a marriage license and say they're marrying you, but you are still being used as their side piece. You are not there. They're not. They still look at you in a disrespectful and they treat you in a very disrespectful manner. These women that they are put out here, and we get sidetracked because a lot of us get caught up in symbolism. We are so happy to see someone black in a, in a high office, and we think that they are there to do something for us. They are not there. Whether it be a black police chief, whether it be a, uh, a mayor or whatever, they are there to represent that system that is oppressing us. They are not coming in with a new system. They are coming in there, and they are operating within that same old system, and we already know that this system was constructed in order to keep black people down. It is there to keep us down. It is never there to uplift us. And once they're going there, you, we need to stop looking at for any kind of symbolism. We need to get out of that mode. We went through it with the president. We went through it with mayors before that and governors and police chiefs and sheriffs and whatever else. We can see that it has never benefited black people. The white people are still manipulating our emotions. It's and, not going to benefit us. And, Sarah, before I let you go, because we're going to take a break, and uh, yes, there's a couple other callers, I, I want you to think about something. And to just an example of how badly we need to know our past, and I'm talking about know it, so we can determine the future of our children, and especially our babies. This society we live under, or in, based in white supremacy, run by Europeans, is based off of something. It's based off a proud heritage that they have of what? greco Roman society. Now, if we look now, we see certain values being pushed, especially on our community. And what is that? That's homosexuality. homosexuality. Now, a lot of our people that don't know say, well, we got to understand this. We got to, it's in our family, so let's, let's put up with it. Let's accept it. Now, they're told that by a lot of their, some, some of them, they're told that by the, the people in their church, their church leaders, which they listen to. But if you don't know your past, you will accept it. You will think it's nothing wrong with that. We can see that our past tells, and I ain't talking about slave past. I'm talking about that our ancestors spoke against those behaviors and it wasn't accepted. It wasn't an accepted mm-hmm. part of society. But among Europeans, it was a totally accepted part of society. So I can't blame them for wanting to get back to that. That's what their forefathers practiced. And they want everybody else to practice it too. So unless we know our past, we're going to make mistakes. I agree with you, Elliot, that we need to know our past. And we need to, um, but when you're having people that don't look like you teaching our children their pasts and we're not doing it at home, because I was telling Ralph earlier, HBO premiered their, their biopic with Queen Latifah and Monique playing Ma Rainey. Now, they're, they're emphasizing her being a lesbian 
and all you know all of that stuff there from from way back when with my radio. See that that, that <laughs> listen, and you, and you're only confirming what I'm saying. They're putting mm-hmm. that that movie on for a reason. Exactly, with the scandal and the empire and all this other stuff that's going on out here. That I was telling uh, Ralph is that we are looking at all of these things that are leading in that draws the most ratings with black people in the leading roles. It's all about black dysfunction and black degeneracy is what it is showcasing. And when you're going to have um, all of these people, look at, the, look at the movement right now, like all of this movement is going on now with the Black Lives Matter and whatever. It started by, by, by some lesbians. You're seeing on TV this guy, DeRay, whatever, McKinnon, I think it's his name, that's in Baltimore, that is supposedly a part of this movement. They're putting the homosexuals to being the head to leading the civil rights movement. Whenever in our history have you ever seen homosexuals or lesbians leading anything that is productive for black people? But this is the fun that you're getting from the athletes to everything being emphasized on TV with the Don Lemons and all these other people. Well, uh, but that, but to the front. you just confirmed. What I'm saying is that we got to be able to show our people culturally that that's wrong and that's not a part of our culture. Because Europeans you are going to... Europeans are going to. Europeans are going to promote this. It was a part of their culture, and I don't blame them for wanting to get back to anything degenerate or anything else. It was a part of their culture, but we don't need to be a part of those things. But I'm going to say something to keep interrupting you. But then we we went so far down this rabbit hole as a result of integration, which started with us in these schools. Because when we integrated these schools, we integrated with the worst of the Europeans. Because the people who had money. They didn't put their children into these schools. They, went, they created private schools for their, for their children to go to instead of letting them be integrated with us. We got the very worst of the worst Europeans for our children to go to school with. That's why our children have learned to accept and talking back to their parents and saying all of these things. They tell you, oh, Mom, you crazy. I remember when, when I was in school, I went to this uh, white classmate, and they were telling Mom, you need to shut up, or Mom, you crazy. Well, that, 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 listen, you're only confirming what I'm saying, Sarah. That we need to know our past. We need to know it. It's got to be a part of us. It's a balance that's needed, but it's got to be an uh, uh, integral part of how we move forward. But I want to thank I you for. Have, I have to agree. Uh, yeah, I, I thank you for the show, and I have to agree with you know with with, with, with Farrakhan. We need to do some separation. You know, we're gonna have to separate ourselves because integration is not working for black people. It, it was meant created to destroy us. And that much that I would a nation of Islam or what they're doing, black people would have to separate because no other group of people, the Chinese, they're still integrated, but they're still separate. And they're not beating them up, telling them, okay, you got to become American. We're the only ones where they are beating it into us, telling us that we need to abandon everything and we need to get go full swing headlong and join this cabal that's going on out here. We're going to have to do some separating. Well, I want to thank you for your contribution, sir. Oh, y'all are so welcome. Thank you. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we'll continue the conversation until we're joined by our special guest. tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network for podcasts and live program scheduling 
visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency in business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowner's insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Nobody celebrates victories against racism and apartheid a generation or two back more often or more lavishly than the Congressional Black Caucus. It's something they have to do constantly, not just because some of those victories made their career possible, but because apart from those careers, they have not really accomplished much in the last 40 years. From the 1990s onward, most of them voted for legislation that doubled down on the war on drugs and to intensify the over-policing and mass incarceration in their own communities. When it became clear that Katrina was the excuse to dispossess and disperse into exile a couple hundred thousand black people on the Gulf Coast, the Black Caucus called no hearings. It sounded no alarms. And despite their relentless celebrations of victories over racism, the entire Black Caucus has consistently turned a blind eye to the brutal settler state apartheid of Israel. The CBC's promise to skip out when Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu addresses the U.S. Congress on March 5 is not an act of vision or moral courage. When Israel demolishes Palestinian houses, when it lynches and deports Africans, when Israel passes more discriminatory laws and steals Palestinian land, the Congressional Black Caucus says nothing. When successive U.S. administrations of both parties endorsed the Israeli punishment of Palestinian civilians with water and power cuts, with blockades of medical and construction supplies, books, and even toys, the CBC is silent then too. When Israel threatens all its neighbors with nukes and makes the false claim that Iran has nuclear weapons, the CBC are quiet. When Israeli fighter jets Armored copter gunships and tanks rain white phosphorus and shell fire on Palestinian neighborhoods. The CBC, with the rest of Congress, unanimously endorsed the aggressor's right to defend themselves by murdering children and voted to resupply the expended Israeli munitions. So let's be clear. Netanyahu is a demagogic racist. He heads the planet's most vicious apartheid regime, a U.S.-supported and funded client state engaged in the conquest and occupation of neighboring territories and the genocidal dispossession and exile of their populations 
all paid for with U.S. tax dollars and under U.S. diplomatic cover. But that's not the CBC's problem with him or with Israel. Like the rest of the U.S. ruling elite, the CBC has no problem with Israeli apartheid. The CBC's problem is that Republican House Leader John Boner invited Netanyahu, not President Obama. So the Netanyahu visit is a violation of protocol, a kind of insult to the first black president. We should not be surprised. The CBC's tunnel vision works the same way at home as it does abroad. Thanks to the large numbers of blacks pushed out of homes in the workforce in recent years, the rate of black child poverty now stands at 38.2% an all-time high. The Congressional Black Caucus is not calling daily press conferences over that either. Detroit is executing its own slow-motion Katrina, pursuing water cutoffs and evictions that will affect over 100,000 residents, just about all of them black. And this is beneath the CBC's notice. But let somebody insult or disparage the First Lady, and they'll be all over that. It's because the CBC like the rest of the black political class, are self-serving cowards. Their failure is symptomatic of the shrinkage of black politics from one of vision and struggle to a politics of protecting their own privilege. For Black Agenda Radio, I'm Bruce Dixon. Find us on the web at www.blackagendareport.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening and. uh we're in open forum until our guest joins us. Until our guest joins us, I'm sorry. Uh, Baba Asher Kwesi will be joining us uh, in the second hour of our program. Historian, lecturer, and master teacher Baba Asher Kwesi will be here. And the event is sponsored by the One Million Conscious Black Voters and Contributors, the African Temple of Mayotte, in conjunction with Time for an Awakening. We'll be here, the... the uh, title of that lecture is African Mystery Systems, the African Sacred Knowledge Hidden in America. The event is at the African American History Museum, 7th and Arch, Philadelphia, PA, 19106. Uh, it's Friday, May 22nd, 7 to 9 p.m. The donation is $10 at the door. Uh, we got a couple callers on the line. Let's go to the 215 area code 904. Caller, what's your name? Where you calling from? Uh, Brother Richard. Yes, Richard. How are you, sir? How you doing? How 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 is everyone? Great, great. <laughs> you know, the sister kind of uh, she kind of did what she was supposed to do, uh, provoked us uh, to to reevaluate, I guess, our our position around the value of history and be clear of those who um, who have credentials, I guess it is, and 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 whether they speak for everyone where they're just speaking for themselves. I, I do know that uh, or it brought to mind there was discussion around, um, and I, I love um, Professor Jefferson. I want to be clear that um, um, when we were doing lecture, lectures in Philadelphia, um, um, Bobby Jeffries um, and um, um, Bobby, uh, what's it, Clark and and Amos all came through, and we were all a part of educating the community. We didn't have the same position, but we were all a part of it. Dr. Ben, uh, other for for me as far as my educational development, and um, 
But he also, um, when Obama first ran, created a rift within the um, national and pan-Africanist community because he supported Obama, um, now president, when others felt that he shouldn't have. And maybe for the same um, reason um, that the sister is raising. So um, Brother Jefferson is being consistent, and if you listen to his history of how um, even in going, you know, going to school, you'll hear he 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 boasts of being one within the Jewish uh, when they were the Jewish community in in the university that had the test that of all the professors, and that was just for them. So you know, you you separate. I would separate history from knowing the history um, um, from um, actually the persons or personalities that we may be projecting any historical fact. That's, again, that's me. But one thing, uh, you had uh, um, Brother Automatic on last week, and he said um, one of the important things we needed to know was military science. And if I'm not mistaken, to be a tactician or strategist, you have to know history. You have to know the history of your enemy in order to know what type of tactics or strategic intent they may have and to know what type of strategies that you need to develop based off of your historical successes and loss. So history is really a vital, a vital um, part of any nation building or any nation um, position as far as for the military, economic, agriculture. You, you, history is just a vital tool. And if we don't use it, then we leave ourselves to not being able to plan off of any kind of historical events that have occurred in the past. So I, I, I do understand. Hey, bro- yes. Brother Richard, quick, quick question for you, based on what you just stated with the history mm-hmm. part. Now, when Sister Sarah came on, I be- I feel that I, that you understood where she was coming from. Right. Yes. What I want to ask you, in the context of what you just laid out, now we're looking, we're not looking forward. Right. Heavenly bound. We're looking past in the past right. history like most you know pan-african uh people that have an understanding so i'm using that portion as a known portion of the equation right we five of us sitting down we have a, a pretty good understanding of what happened to our people while we got in this condition of right. our glorious past now we're sitting at the table in 2015 and we right. know in order for us to move forward with all the history we know, I'm going on the point of what uh, Sarah's saying. W- to me, what's important with the, and I think this is the part where we don't do the balancing, that stuff that happened 10,000 years ago, 20,000 years ago, the moral concepts might be good, but what are we doing to fit the current situation? and demise and decimation of our people currently. And what I want to say to you is that one of the, one of the I'm going to say one of the top things, I'm not going to say good it's the point. top thing I'm going to say is what you just stated. 
planning. If we look historically, any person as a Pan-African have an understanding of their history, know that our people with the great history, they planned. And I, don't, and I think that any person that's coming up and they're just laying that out there, but they're not teaching our children now today that they got a plan for what's going on with our situation now, they have to adapt or adopt some of those things into their current situation. But it's not going to be the same. And I think our, the people that come out, I, I'm going to put it to you like this. We talk about pimps in the pulpit. I also mm -hmm. think in the Pan-African community, too, you have people that are pimping our people, too, with the conscious literature, uh, exactly. conscious, with, with the conscious knowledge. Because what it is, okay, after a certain period of time, the people that never heard of it, I don't have no problem with that. Because it's new information. They never had it. But I'm talking about for if you're coming to me, and I've been coming to your lectures for 10 years or 15 years, and all you're doing is giving me the same information and re, uh, regurgitating it and, and, and with a little bit different nuances, then okay, it's okay. But I, what I have to say to you is that's your lane. That's it. Your lane is not politics, like Sister Sarah said. Your lane is not economic development. Your lane is not empowerment for the people. It's just history lessons and that's it and that's all i have to say i just wanted to get your feedback and opinion on that and and and, and i and hopefully you know and i'm, I'm gonna try because i'm i'm accused of being long with this but and i i know this is not the form for that well one is that i i i agree that there um people have people should stay within their lanes two that is planning is important um Three, the question I raised, and, and, and I was at Asante's um, discussion yesterday, and he he was he made the, made the same point that Sister Sarah made, is that um, trying to use the Yoruba and the Akan system as far as to understand how they dealt with their cosmology. Again, looking at their, their, looking at their history and asking the question, well, why aren't we any further along, or why aren't we doing what we're doing? I would say the reason why. Still, um, I think within the American African experience, the people who are doing um, pimping, they're doing what they have been doing out of this historical experience. That that is no new thing. What I think, and the other thing that as a reaction, I remember Amos Amos Wilson saying to us about the Pan African community and raising it around, and that's what's before he even developed the blueprint, was the question of, well, if Pan-Africanists were, were all in what they were in, why isn't our economic development system any better, different? And, the quest, and, the, and Martin Delaney raised the same point. So it seems to me what, what we haven't done effectively utilizing history is define the nature, and that's what I think in North America, um, what we when we say we, we're or we're we're including a lot of people who made a lot of systemic allegiance and overlooking that those allegiance may have been against others who look like them who come out of the same experience. The example I always use is doing. I mean, when you look at Demarvisi, it was a black person that um, told on them, Nat Turner. It was a black person enslaved who informed on them, who was enslaved. 
Now, is that the same nature as the ones who wanted to actually go against them? But when we talk, we talk like we're talking for all black people. When we talk about these here um, uh, political entrepreneurs, as, as she said, and as every, all of us agree, they, they represent this system. I, 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 when you, you say that, then they know they, they would, uh, um, I forget his name now, but he said you used to call him oath taker. You know, um, they took an oath to maintain this system. Do we include them as a we and look forward to them? When we look at the ministers, the, they were created for a particular purpose to maintain, mobilize, and organize a particular community around being non-human, non-citizen, and a, a perpetual labor force from birth to grave. Well, Richard, so, Brother Richard, because I, I yeah. got a couple other calls on hold, I, I do want to say that I don't think that any type of progressive movement you could include people like that because right. uh, they're, they've been an enemy to their own. Uh, a lot of those people that you're talking about seem to be assimilationists. And we know that the salvation of any people, of any people, is unifying among one another. I'll give an example. Europeans made a concerted effort to stop that fighting among Europeans. I think the crescendo or the last part of it was when Reagan uh, had uh, Germany tear down that wall. They made a big thing about basically all the fighting among Europeans had ended. They rallied around starting a common market, uh, a common currency. They're doing everything they can to sustain European values and European life. So I think that any people moving forward, and we're talking about our people in particular, that we can't use people that don't have the same mindset towards their own. Some of these people that you're talking about want to be successful in American society. And you know that mean, that's detrimental to the majority of our people. In fact, American society want to smash black people and imprison black youth. So, no, I don't think that we can include people that are enemies of our people. And uh, But we do have to, like you said initially, have strategies uh, uh, and, and know our history so we can plan strategies to deal with Europeans. Now, I'm not a historian, but I can see just looking cursory back at our people, that we made a huge mistake dealing with Europeans early on. Uh, I mean, we, we invited uh, people like Socrates, Aristotle, all those early Greek minds that they, 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 that they hold up as being fathers of society and fathers of, fathers of civilization was taught by our people. We let them in. That We can see in hindsight that those things were mistakes but we still don't seem to have learned anything about dealing with Europeans. In so, Elliot, you won't have to go back that far. 19, well, no, no, I want to go back that far because a lot of our people don't know that type of history. We can take for granted that they do. A lot of our people don't. And this man knows. Listen here. This man that we're dealing with knows that that's a key to our people's success moving forward because he makes sure that our people don't look back at that history. And when you try to, he always shows that those people are Europeans back then. He's but, not but, stupid. He does that for a reason. But you miss what Brother Richard said. He and, said and Richard, I want to thank look with, like we didn't lost you. I want to thank you for your call, man. But he said with the knowledge that the Pan African community has with our basic with our economics and everything, 
it's still not showing nothing. He said that. Well, it's not so, showing anything because we don't have unity. It's a lot of factors, and we just can't throw a blanket. It's a lot of factors why it might not necessarily be showing things. And it's not because uh, half of the people or majority of the people are charlatans. That's not the reason. It's a lot of other factors involved with that. Believe me. Let's go to two one uh, nine oh four area code. I mean nine oh four. Two one five nine oh four. Caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Two one five nine oh four. This is Brother Martin Jackson. How are you, sir? I'm good. How's it going, brother? Great. Yeah, I'm calling in. Good show, guys. Well, Marcus, weigh in on some of these issues now. You you didn't heard the conversation. What what do you think? I think it's definitely an interesting uh, conversation. Um, Which one do you want to? Which point do you want to go over? Kind of the homosexuality, or well, uh, let's talk about. Well, what do you want? You throw it in. What do you want? However, you want to approach it. This is your dime, sir. <laughs> no doubt. Well, I'm calling as Philadelphia, a Pennsylvania representative of one million conscious white voters and contributors. Okay. Uh, like as as you advertise, we have the next event coming up at the African American Museum of Ashra Kwesi for next Friday, mm-hmm. uh, 22nd. Um, just want to say this time for our people to to wake up. You know, it's kind of like watching the, the Matrix movie. You know, which pill do you want to take? You take the blue pill to go back to sleep or take the red pill to you know, enter into your, into your freedom? Marcus, let me ask you something because you're in Philadelphia. And, and, and I, I, don't, I hate to I'm, – I'm shifting gears a little bit. I want to go on with what Ralph was talking about earlier, dealing with politics. You see – People running for office here in this city. Uh, a couple of popular black candidates and a uh, white candidate, I think that they say, are the front runners. But let me preface the conversation with this. Let's look at Ferguson, let's look at Baltimore, and then let's look at Philadelphia. Ferguson's politics, and you see a lot of the talking head black folks. When I say talking heads, I'm talking about the Sharptons and others jumped on residents of Ferguson about them not voting for black uh, people in leadership. So Ferguson's population, according to uh, some statistics, said it was 67% black. Right. And over two-thirds, uh, over uh, one-third of the people lived below the poverty line. Right. Look at Baltimore. Baltimore, according to statistics, and this was CNN statistics, is 63% black Again, one quarter of the people live below the poverty level. Whites in Baltimore make $60,000 $60, a year as a family. The blacks in Baltimore make $33,000 a year as a family. Philadelphia, a poverty rate, according to, uh, I heard uh, uh, on a terrestrial black talk station, that black poverty rate in Philadelphia is off the charts compared to other cities in this country, it's the highest. I think it was around 40%. Somebody could correct me if I'm wrong. 40%. So we see that it's a similar thread between these three cities, if you use it as a test case. Two of them, Baltimore and Philadelphia, have black people running, so-called running the show. Ferguson didn't. But the poverty rate 
and, and salary rates for our people are off the charts. So now we look at the people running. Now, you got a popular black candidate whose father used to be a state representative. And, it, and this shows the level of apathy. And I won't use the term necessarily ignorance. The level of apathy among our people. And it kind of dovetails on what we've been talking about. Now, you got a popular black candidate whose father was a state representative at one time, is running. Now, I listened to his political ad, and when the ad was over, it said this, this uh, ad was sponsored by American Cities PAC. Now, who is American Cities PAC? If you look who American Cities PAC is, it's a, a, a subsidiary or a group sponsored by this Susquehanna International Group. And if you look at the names, I think the first name is the guy something Greenberg. You can see the money behind this so-called popular black candidate. He's not in the interest of black folks, even though he's a black guy, and say that he is. If you, now, look, are, you are you asking Mark as a question, or are you making a no? I'm uh, listen. I'm making a comment because I want. What are you doing? He's giving me the pretense. No, because I want Marcus's opinion on this. Setting the stage for it. Yeah. Now you look. You look at the popular white candidate. That's the, those two supposed to be the front runners. You look at this popular white candidate who used to be a council member. He's sponsored by American Cities PAC, and if you look up American Cities PAC, you see who's financing and running that. So when our people are debating on terrestrial radio stations here on Philadelphia about oh who 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 should we vote for? Who's in our best interest? You can see that none of these candidates are in our best interest because the money is not coming from our communities. So when you talk and I'm just setting the stage, when you when we're talking about one million black voters and contributors, this is time. It's time for our people if we're going to, because our tax money is being used and and not in our favor. If we're going to pay taxes, then we need pressure on these candidates, black or white, to do things in the behalf of our communities. And we need to be able to finance our own campaigns, our own independent campaigns, if we're going to support or run a candidate. And I, I just wanted your opinion based on that. Definitely. I mean, you kind of set the stage. It's still political exploitation that goes on. We are paying taxes, giving our money, and giving our support, casting our votes without these candidates uh, heeding to our demands, they're heeding to our needs. But the one million conscious black voters, the reason why I signed up is because I saw a viable solution uh, to this to this issue, this very issue. We got to be able to come together pull our monies together, pull our resources, our talent, and then be able to negotiate with these candidates, saying that we can contribute to the campaign, we can cast our vote as a united voting block and put you in the office, but you need to sign on and, and, and give and really respect the black voter. Give back to us. We can't just cast the vote for you blindly. You know, most... Black people here in Philadelphia just vote Democrat, right? They believe, you know, Democrats run the city, and you win that primary, you know, you kind of, you know, riding into, into the into the office. And we've been doing it for years. For years, 
and it's time. It's definitely time for a change. This political system, this two-party system, um, and here in Philadelphia, it's just Democrats, like you just said. But um, it's it's time for an overhaul. It's time for a change. Changing of the guards is definitely needed. We got to be I- able to put our resources and our demands to these candidates and say, if you want, if you really want an office, you need to address what our people need. Now, Marcus, outside of that, you're a young brother, and I know that uh, college-educated will still have your ears to the street. What are your feelings about uh, police brutality with your, yourself and your peers? What's your, what's your take on incarceration? Um, what's your what, – I just – what do you think that someone your age right now – I'm the young buck between Ralph and uh, Elliot – and uh, I got a couple years above you, but somebody your age, you know, what do you think your future is going to look like 10 years from now or the future for your peers? What is it going to look like? I'm talking about the ones that are college educated or not college educated, people that you care about, that you see every day that you grow up with. What does the future for your peer group look like if there's nothing going to be done for them? Well, I'll say this. You still, you still had it right, Brother Reggie, whether you college educated or you didn't go to college coming in right out of high school, we're dealing with the same issue uh, as far as young people between, let's say, 18 and 35 years old. You're still worried about these police terrorists. You know, you got to call them like it is. It seems like they have an agenda out to, to eliminate young black men when we step out of the house. That's what, we, that's what we're fearful of. That's what I'm fearful of. And I say that and I'm telling my cousins this, we sit around, we talk, it's like, yeah, we went to college, but at the drop of a moment, it could all change. I done spent all this money, took out loans and whatnot and scholarships and blah, 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 but it could just change in a moment all over, you know, this this, this system of white supremacy, this hatred that they had. And it seems like uh, that's what they're, they're, they're targeting our young black men. So we're still concerned about that, and we have to organize ourselves to come up with solutions against that. And again, one million conscious black voters and contributors, we are doing that. We have the URLEIA Act that one of our members has has drafted to attack police brutality or police terrorism, if you want to call it that. Let's be more specific. It's holding them to a flame holding them accountable for the actions that they have. Now, if you're going to shoot someone and go on vacation and, you know, retire with, you know, with, with full benefits, no, that's got, that's got to stop. Now, any of your friends or your peer group, how do they feel about doing things in the community outside of the voting realm? Have you had any discussions with them about Because I know there's some young people that have never voted they they look at the system as being very corrupt, but do they do, ha, have you have any sort of conversation about things they can do outside of voting for themselves or for the community? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I grew up playing basketball once, you know, so sports is something that can still guide our people and, and give them that discipline. Uh, so I've been you know coaching basketball for for, for many years, um, and they. Still go to the quarter, still hang around the neighborhoods, whatever, and they still call me coach. So we're still having that mentorship that is there. They still need those uh, older brothers that are there to be able to guide them, um, tell them 
you know, how to act around a cop. If you want to go to college, this is what you should expect. If you don't want to co- go to college, this is what you should expect or this is what you should be doing. Um, and just being able to just pull ourselves together. We definitely saying that, uh, you know, voting is, is a very important thing. Let's say that. It's definitely very important. And I was just talking to one young man on Facebook, and I asked him, you know, he's about 22 now. I used to coach him. The people in your age group, do you believe in voting? They said, yeah, they definitely do, but they don't see a good candidate. So we just have, you know, reluctance to go to the polls and cast a vote for somebody that they just sound like everyone else. So when you talk about these two candidates here in Philadelphia, you know, one black, one white, that are kind of the front runners, I actually went to one of their uh, political sessions and they were just, you know, attacking each other and kind of giving the good rhetoric but didn't speak about any policy. I didn't hear any policy. And I was so disappointed. It's like, how, how dare you come to an event and you really not say anything? Why should I clap for you? Why should I vote for you? You really haven't given me anything to go on. Yeah, well, if you if you look at our city, and just like I quoted these statistics, and you don't even have to look at the statistics, we live in the city, you see that the poverty rate is off the charts and the joblessness and unemployment is off the charts. So any of these guys that's coming to their community for votes are not talking about substantial, uh, not only job programs, economic opportunities, then come on. Come on here. Uh, you know, we got we got to also hold these people accountable, too. A lot of these people come right back to the community after they done failed, and we don't hold them accountable for anything. We got to hold it because our, our children's lives uh, are I just at, wanted to ask before I got in there. I, I our very lives are at stake. Hold, hold on one second. Hold on one second, Marcus. I want you to stay with us. Let's take this call because he's been on hold. 252 Area Code, what's your name? Where you calling from? Hey, Brother Elliot, how you doing? Greenville, North Carolina. How are you, sir? All right. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, yes. Edward from Greenville, North Carolina. Um, I uh, have three things and, and two to kind of say. The first thing is, uh, I was somewhat at the beginning of the show that was disappointed hearing that Attorney Mattis wasn't going to be on tonight, but I have to say uh, to take you back on immediately on that at the same time, uh, it created a new energy in me when I heard Sarah call in, because as far as I'm concerned, she kind of set it off. And the second thing, remind me of the movie, you know, when it says, I think set it on fire, but it reminded me of that movie of Queen Latifah that was in. And that was some good conversation that, and dialogue that you all had with her. And then the okay. call after that. The, the second thing... The second thing that I wanted to say, and um, and maybe I'm a little bit off on this, and Ralph can help me out, and, and uh, based on Reg's comment, you can let me know what you think, too, because uh, with the other caller that you were asking questions, Reggie, uh, I think I'm, I'm hearing, now again, I may be a, a little bit off based on this, but it sounds like I'm hearing the two sides were saying, a, a different type of history. One was saying more of a eventual type his, history um, is what I was getting from you, uh, Elliot, and then what I was getting from uh, Sarah and Ralph. Again, I might be a little bit off. There was kind of more Hello? history from a cultural perspective, 
And and I think, you know, we got to know all aspects of it, but I, I agree that with both sides in that sense that we can't just dwell on just the, the things that this is what we were as a culture or whatever, but we got to know, like you were saying earlier, we got to know where we come from in order to know where we're going in that sense. So I, before I go to the third thing, I'd like to hear what you guys think about that. I may be off, but I kind of picked up, and I love Ralph's passion, too. I kind of picked up that there was two different meanings of a type of history. So what do you think, no, well, I, I don't know. I, th- I think we were talking about the same thing. I, I think it was just okay. the, the, the approach okay. the approach that, that some of the men used. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I, I, just, I, I agree with the way Sarah was painted, but, I, you know, certain history, certain ways of discussing history is good, certain other ways is not. That's why I said more of a culturalistic kind of thing, but eventual, like, you know, what went on here, and, and like Sarah said, it, then you see that, certain things haven't changed with us. The third thing um, that I, I wanted to ask, too, is that, uh, and to get on and to ask the question, is to see if there, there was any way you guys can get an extra day like you did a couple of times, because <laughs> my mind went back to a few years, a few weeks ago, a few months ago, when we were having, um, you know, more call-ins. And I think this is good. It's it just kind of, I was listening to the different callers and the way you guys were interacting with them. And I'm like, wow, I remember those those times. And it just kind of kind of thrilled me again. And I'm like, man, if we could have more of that, too. It's good to have guests, but it's good to have people giving their comments about all of that, too. Because uh, it, 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 it's been a really good dialogue tonight. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I got to say, with no disrespect to you guys, um, no disrespect, but a guest that you got, and, you know, I think it's okay to say it now, a guest you had on a few weeks ago, the lady, to me, she was just jumping all over the place. I couldn't really follow her with any kind of connection on anything combined, so it just bored me, and I turned it off. But stuff like this, it just fires me right up. I just love it. Well, I want to thank I you. I just love it. I want to thank you for your contribution, as always, Edward. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Peace. All right. Bye-bye. Let's go to two six seven area code. What's your name? What you Hello? call? Yes. Hello. Yes. Elliot. Yes, sir. Oh, hey, brother. Let's go to Joe. How you doing, my brother? How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Hey, brother Ralph from Billy Ranch. How you doing, brother? I'm doing fine. Hey, uh, brother Elliot, I was wondering. Try, I was trying to call y'all my um, landline, but for some reason it just wouldn't. Wouldn't y'all couldn't get to my landline, so I had to use my cell. Hope I don't run out of time. But anyway, it, it, let me just say this, brother. Forgive me. I just follow brother Edward and Michael and Sister Sarah. You know, you, you, had, you played brother Bruce Dixon, uh, brother Elliot, when you were talking about the c- c- CBC, the Congressional Black Caucus. Mm-hmm. It's so ironic that you mentioned Israel because I got a letter. You know, I'm a patriotic law-abiding citizen. You know that, right, Elliot? I know it. You know, I salute the flag. And I got, no, but seriously, I got a letter from, uh, from my congressman. He wanted me to do, as a voter, he wanted me to do a survey. And, he, and basically, long story short, my brothers, on the survey, I had to put, what was I think, for the press issues of the day, the Iran nuclear deal, uh, you know, the uh, president's trade thing, he wanted to do with the trade bill he's trying to get passed, and same-sex match. So I, I, j- I jotted off all the things I thought was important, and at the end, he asked me for a comment. And that's why I so ironically played Brother Bruce Dixon from BlackAgenda.com, talking about Israel. 
So at the bottom, when it was my comments, I said, I know y'all aren't going to like this, but I said, uh, I have to say this. I said, as long as y'all continue with this one-sided policy towards the Zionist state of Israel, there's one law for Israel and another law for China, Iran, Iraq, and everybody else. Israel's allowed to violate every international law out there that can kill at will, do whatever they want to do, and just pretty much turn it behind in the face of international criticism and oppression. As long as y'all keep doing this, you'll never have peace over there, and I see y'all going to ultimately, if y'all not careful, start World War III. And I said, I'll end it by saying this. I said, and it's going to have to be a point in time that somebody in one of the houses of the Congress, whether it be the Senate or the, uh, or, or the, or the Congress, Democrat or Republicans, somebody got to have the courage to stand up and say, look, Israel, you're not going to back you in your wrong. If you're wrong, you're going to get caught out or you'll be held accountable. That's how I ended my letter. I don't want to go over too well with my, with my Congress people, but I, I did sit it in. I put it in the mail today. Hey, they asked me for my opinion, so I just gave it to them. Well, <laughs> hey, I mean, you know. That's what I did. You, you, so, so anyway, you, Ellie, um, I just want to beyond that, though, I wanted to say I'm listening to the show tonight, and, uh, you know, when Sister Sarah was on, Brother uh, Elliot and Brother Ralph and Reg, she was talking about the shows like Scandalous and, and, and Empire. And, and, you know, I was talking to my friend of mine the other day, guess about that. See, our women are so brainwashed because the media, as you know, Brother Elliot, is so tricky the way they do things. And, they, and you have sisters out here who are not conscious, so they'll look at a, a show like Scandal and they'll see, and they'll go back to the series how the white man use our sisters for their, for their nigger bear witches and stuff like that. So they'll watch a show like Scandal and they'll see this beautiful black sister in bed with this devil, this white president who happened to be a devil, in bed with him and everything like that. And the sisters admire her and say, oh, look at her, she got power. You know, she 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 with the she got the president. She in the bed with the president. And see, at the same time, they don't see the subliminal images with, with how the white man is so slick, how they demoralize and, and destroy the black image. Because you got this black woman, so she's being looked upon as a nigger bed witch. She's bringing this white powerful president down by sleeping with him. He's a married man with family. Never, never mind the fact that she's not twisting his arm. He's doing it of his own free will, of course. But she's being blamed for that. And at the same time, again, the black woman being portrayed as a nigger bed wench. See, and we have unconscious sisters, Brother Elliot and Ralph and Reg. They see that kind of stuff, and they think it's something to be glorified, not realizing that it's all part of the ploy to further assassinate the black image and stuff. And you see the same thing. With, uh, with with these other movies, if it's not a black woman being a hoe or whatever like she is, it's, they push the homosexuality and stuff. And again, I'm not anti-homophobic, but you know, I'm keeping it real. They either push uh, uh, the gay lesbian lifestyle on our people, so it's always easy to one of the two or to filthy gangster rap. It's something negative and demoralizing always for our people, brother. You ever notice that trend? Oh, most definitely. Yeah, we've talked about it several times on the program. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but Ellis, so it's always say, and we see this, we see this over, and it's, and it can go right on top of our people's heads and stuff. That's what's so frustrating, brother Ellis. You know what I mean? Our people don't see the connection with these people are torn to us. And I'll close, brother Ellis, and, and stuff with the with the voting thing. Again, since the Sarah hit the nail on the head, now. You always should this prop up the Democrats and stuff. The Republicans, how bad. And we all know them devils bad. Both of them are bad. But we, but let's look at the Democrat Party. And I said this to you, Elliot, many times. I said to you personally on the phone. And I said this on your show. When President Obama won office in 08 and he took office in 09, the Democrats controlled both houses of the Congress, Senate and the um, Congress. They had, they controlled, they had for almost, for two years, they had a chance to really 
put their staff and, and pass all kinds of legislation. They waited till they lost the midterms and two tens. Then they start complaining about the president can't get nothing done. He he get he been handicapped by these racist white wing racist Republicans and all this. I'm saying myself, but damn it, we all had control both houses. You didn't do a damn thing with it, you know. And, and like Sister Sarah said, you know, the Democrat Party uh, history is is, is 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 nothing to be you know proud of when it comes to black people. The Republican Party allegedly a party of Lincoln and stuff like that. And Lincoln wasn't no level of black people. He did what he felt he had to do at that time. But he was no by no means no level of black people. Abraham Lincoln. So we keep we just keep we just keep falling for the same old okey doke over and over again. Your devil better than my devil. Democrat Republican here in this city, brother Elliot. You all know you are well learned, brother. You keep up with the stuff in this city. David Cohen, who's that devil from Comcast. You know, he's Aaron Dell's former chief of staff, right? Now this guy held a fundraiser. Now, he's supposed to be a, a staunch Democrat, David Cohen. He held a fundraiser for the right-wing racist senator from Pennsylvania, Pat Toomey, who's a bigot to the Mexican, who's trying to do all he can to get still get on me a kill, Pat Toomey. He had a fundraiser for Toomey just a couple weeks ago. So we see clearly that these white, these white men of so-called power, Brother Elliot, they have no problem putting that party label stuff aside. They're all about white supremacy, whether it be Democrat, Republican. I heard Bob Brady. I told you on Teresa Rado here in the city said many times he might not agree with Boehner and Mitch McConnell and, and Ted Cruz and all them biggest stuff there, but they good friends are here. They at, we know we lead a, the, the congressional chambers or the Senate chambers. Me and my wife go out to dinner with his wife or his. And I'm not saying much stuff. They letting these dumb niggas know. They don't want to get caught up in this Democratic government. Hold on a second, Rob. They're the white men. Rob, you want you know to, I mean? you want to get in there? They're all about white supremacy. And they hold on, like hold on a second, Joe. Domination. Yo, but Joe, let me tell you something. Hold on a second. Can you hear? You're very critical, All right. Go ahead. I'm listening. No, hey, Joe. Hey, look, check it out, man. When you talk about President Obama, he let you know when he talked it to our selected officials, because they ain't our elected officials. When he, talked to right, our, when, when he talked to our black selected officials who were the black caucus, he addressed them in uh, 2000, I guess it was 9 or 10. He told them, stop whining. Stop That's complaining. Right. Put on your marching shoes. You know what I mean? So he makes mm-hmm. you know right then and there, if these are your selected officials that represent you, shut up. That's right. So, so you know, that's I mean, <laughs> and that's real. He let he let them know, I don't care who you represent. Don't, I mean, HBCUs under this president are almost non-existent. That's Funding true. has been taken away from them. Yep, so, yep. So, so, I mean, you keep you keep doing what you always do. You're going to keep getting what you always get. I don't care the and color it, of these people or whatever. They, I see what this party is doing to us. And if you want to go out there Tuesday and vote for a man who was all on your local talk show talking about his main objective is putting the Holocaust uh, studies right. in the public schools. So if you want to vote for that fool, go ahead. You're gonna and, and, get, and you're going to get what you're going to keep getting. Hey, brother Ralph, let me say, but I'm so, brother, I love you what you just said. You know, and I close with this, brother Allen. Let me say this. I'm glad brother Ralph put up about this, the so-called black candidate. I don't even want to mention that Negro's name because he's disgusting. But the point is that I'm glad you mentioned that, Ralph, because on terrestrial radio, black terrestrial radio in Philadelphia, a white Jewish lady, she exposed him for what he is. She says that he 
got an award just last year or last week. I can't remember. I might have got the day, but it's, it's been recent, put it that way, by our racist. And this heard me well on this, brothers. This is important. This is not my opinion. This is a fact. You can check it out for yourself. On Teresa Rader today, she said that this candidate got an award from a racist, Zionist organization. They honored him with an award. And it's and all this this group does hatred against black people, against uh, Muslims, people like that. And he accepted the war from them. And she and she said her organization contacted him and asked him to denounce it. And he said he denounces racism and all kinds of flaws. But she said, "Will you take it to another step and denounce your know, support that you got from these people?" And he and he danced all around it. He he never would say yay or nay. He just danced all around it. So and it's like you said, it's the same joker, like you say, brother Ralph. Who, who thought to put Holocaust in the school mandatory, but don't want to put his own black history out damn whole like, like Dr. Khaled Muhammad say, damn a Holocaust, we played a hell of a cost. But he's but he not fighting to put that in the damn school, but he fights for some damn Zionists to put their history in the school. And it's the same Negro, as you know, Brother Ralph, if you didn't know, I'm going to tell you now, you were in Reggie and in, in, in L.A. This the same Negro, how many other Negro went up to Chan University because a couple of years ago they had a Disney professor, a Islamic professor, and he was a business professor. He was telling the, teaching the class about how, and you know, with college, it's about exchanging ideas. You know, agree or disagree. It's about confrontation, intellect. That's what college campuses are for. You bring different speakers where you agree or disagree with them. Well, then anyway, this professor said that Israel's policy, the United States policy Israel is one-sided, is racist, it's just, I mean, he just broke it down to the, to, so the students can understand in plain, simple language. Well, Anthony Hardy Williams and this other handkerchief head Negro, they got together with the Chinese faculty and tried to get this professor removed by saying he was anti-Semitic. So you see clearly where this, where this Negro's head is at. You see clearly where his head is at. So, Brother Joe, no, yes. I, I have a question. Yeah, go ahead, Brother Reg. I have a Please question. Feel free. I have a question sure. for yourself. Marcus and Brother Ralph and the listening audience. Mm-hmm. Now, my and I heard Elliot earlier when he was talking about voting. Mm-hmm. And it's not only his thoughts, I thought of a lot of people that, you know, we are paying taxes. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, we know when we're paying taxes, taxes are going to a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. All right? That's I right. Put that, I just want to put that out there. Not, And that's sure. not a disagreement with what Elliot is talking about. I just hear that being put out. But what I, my question is, knowing the people who have an understanding that's calling this pro- program, they have an understanding of the system, the corruption, the voting, do, and they still vote, okay, versus the person, whether they have an understanding or not, that don't vote and don't participate in the system, all right? Between mm-hmm. the two, who really has the right to complain about the system? Well, well, let me say this, brother uh, Reggie. Oh, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Say that again, Reggie. I didn't catch that last part. The two. Okay, you have people that understand what the system is about, mm-hmm. and nothing has changed, and they continue to vote, mm-hmm. whether Democrat, Republican, or third mm-hmm. party. Versus, you have someone that looks at the system. I'm not going to participate. Because I don't agree with the system. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm still paying my taxes, just like mm-hmm. the, the person who, who's voting. They're paying their taxes in voting. But I'm not going to participate in the system because I don't like Democrat, Republican, or third party. And it's not because I'm being apathetic. It's that I don't agree with the system. Until it's dismantled or changed, I feel that my vote 
my vote doesn't mean anything. Now, between the two, mm-hmm. who really, between the two, I'm just asking all, all the, everyone here and listening, who really has the right to, comp- to complain after an election cycle? Well, 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 Reggie, I'm going to answer, Reggie. It may not be the answer you like, but I'm going to give you No, no, I'm not looking for an answer. I'm not looking for an answer. I asked, oh, no, hold on, Joe. I asked everyone. I'm not looking for right. an answer for my, for my, to, to make suit my fancy. I'm asking a general answer. It either okay. could be two, listen, it either could be the person who voted mm-hmm. or the person that didn't vote. That's it. Well, That's well, the let, only question. Well, let, well, let me answer this this way, Brother Reg. No, I have a question, Brother Joe. I'm, I'm, I'm answering for you. Okay, I'm going to my answer. Okay. Now, my answer is this. Simple as this. This is my personal answer. I think both have a right to because, again, as long as they're taking tax dollars out of my money, whether I, you know, whether I vote or not, I have a right to, 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 to have my say. So when they stop taking tax dollars and give me tax-free paychecks every week, then, I'll, then I'll, at that point I maybe can, 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 can have, don't have a right to complain. But as long as money comes out of my paycheck or whatever like that, Good. I have a right, whether I vote or not, to, to, to give my say. That's just my own personal opinion, Brother Ray. Okay. That's all. Sorry. And, my, and my answer to that, Reggie, is the same as Joe's. If they're taking taxes out of my money and I don't like the way my taxes are being used, regardless if I didn't vote for Al Capone or uh, some other criminal, if I don't like the way my taxes are being used, I'm gonna have a voice about it. Okay, so let me t- so let me take let me take this up. Let me take it up another notch. Then I don't have any problem. Okay. With any, I don't have any problem with any answer. I'm just okay. I'm just I'm just asking a question to stimulate okay. conversation, to stimulate thought. Okay, I, I appreciate that, Reg. I appreciate so, that. So, so, mm-hmm. so to take that up a notch. So, mm-hmm. the you, I'm gonna use you as an example, Ralph. Right? Because I know Go you're ahead. very vocal. Uh, you know you're very vocal about it. My personal opinion is Ralph don't like Republicans or Democrats. Period. I think from what Ralph was saying since we've been on the radio, you might find a Democratic person that goes in there with good intentions, but based on the system, only could go so far. So I'm I'm going to say, just based on my my opinion and my analysis of what I'm hearing from Ralph on that, and I could be corrected also, that if a that person who continually votes for ten to fifteen years, I understand the piece about the tax. Let's take that out there. Mm-hmm. When is it going to come to a realization that this system is broke and it ain't working? Oh, and you know what? <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute, Red. Let me let me. He had, he, if, if you don't realize that by now, it might not be any help for you. Okay. You're, asking me, you're, you're asking me to vote for Jesse James or Al Capone. I cannot okay. vote for either. Hold on, Joe. Let Marcus, let Brother Marcus get in, because he's the younger, oh, he's younger brother. Let okay, Marcus, and, and I'll, I'll say my comment for last. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Give it to the young man. I think, I think what's happening here is, People do have a right to complain. I understand that. But it's up to those who wake up. It's up to the conscious people to come together and make their demands, make their voices really heard, and do something about it. We can complain all we want, because we've been doing that for years as well. And it seems like they either get around to our complaints or they don't. Look what happened in 2013 with President Obama, right? You had Sharpton and uh, Hello? Yeah, Sharpton and a couple other leaders that took their planks to President Obama to say, hey, 
we need you to do it. We want you to do this. We want you to address the needs for black people. And it was up to him. he do it or he don't do it. He had no real power behind basically that, that plea. But if we had a block of people that that contribute to the campaign, because black people, we haven't done that. We don't contribute campaigns. We just show up as individuals and cast a vote. But if we showed up as a million strong, we can make a difference. And even on a local election, part of our program and our, the analytics of our initiative, we say that we need 2% of conscious black voters in each campaign to make a difference, to sway the vote in our favor. 2% here in Philadelphia would amount to about 13,000. Only 2%. If those 13,000 wanted to make a difference, wanted to just stop the complaints, if they really wanted to change their lives and for their, the lives of the children and their grandchildren behind them, they would come together today. And they would say that we are no longer going to take this two-party, this broken system that y'all got going on. No more complaining without action. Are you ready for action? Are you conscious? And are you ready to make a difference? Until you can really answer that question, then all you're going to do is complain and not have anything done. But there's a viable solution out here waiting for you. Everyone that probably called in and listened to this radio station, it's your time. Your time is now. It's right here. We don't have to take this mess no more. We got an opportunity to do for self. And it's not just about white bashing and we hate white people and this and that. It's about our people. It's about our gender. Do you want to walk out in the street and have to worry about getting shot? Do you want to be one of these 40% that's without a, without a job? And it's our youth. It's our youth that has the highest unemployment in America. What kind of future are we leaving for them? If you have a son, what are you going to tell him? Or, you, or your daughter, what are you going to tell them? I had an opportunity to make a change, but I didn't do anything. I just talked about it on Facebook. I just complained to my friends. It's time, people, right now. Go to IamOneInTheMillion.com. And sign up. That's all I got to say. <laughs> well, the folks hear you out there, brother. For, for the market. Uh, listen, uh, uh, your closing comments, Joe. For the Eric. Yes. Yeah, I, I'll just close with this. Uh, th- thanks, brother Marcus, for your comments. Uh, and when it comes to voting, like I say, if we go on the boat, yeah, that's always to me and my opinion, it's strategic vote. We have to use our vote wisely. You know, it has to be almost like a weapon. So we're going to participate in the system. It goes back to what you said, but uh, we have to, you know, support these candidates and hold these candidates accountable and come up with some strategic strategies against voting just for the sake of voting blindly and for whether it be Democrat or Republican, male or female, black or white. we got to hold these people accountable. If we continue to post the way we are, like Brother Ralph said, you're going to continue to get what you get because that's the definition of insanity. They keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect different results. But I'll close with this. That's my last comment. If a candidate in Philadelphia and 
and I would hope she wins because I think I met her and I met her on the field and she's a good person. She, and I don't know if the name ring a bell, but she's running for city council at law. Her name is Helen Jen. She's an Asian woman. Helen is as progressive as a person you can find. She happens to be Asian. Well, we don't want no political system. commercials on here, Joe. But I want to permit that. I'm going to say, if you have more black, if you have black folks like her, they had the courage. And cause this, this shit did a lot for our children. So you don't hurt you. You'll never see on ABC News or whatever. Like, this is a committed sister. She did a lot for black children in this city. But she, she's like the best kept secret. See, see, people like that need to be elected. But see, unfortunately, a lot of people don't support people like that. And then a lot of the times when people like that do get in the office, when they're fortunate getting in Brother Elliot, they run into roadblocks. They run into, they, they, they pull out the system. So, my mountain is that more than what they thought. So a lot of times they get in there and get frustrated themselves. But that's the sister that, like I say, I was supporting the heart because she's committed to our people and she has a proven track record. Again, don't take my word for it. You ever get a chance, you know, reach out to her, kind of have on the show. You'll see just what I'm talking about. I see, she don't just talk the talk. This Asian sister walks the walk. And when your brother Joe said, you can take it to the bank, brother Elliot and Ralph and Rex. Take my brother Marcus. Take my word for this. This is a beautiful sister, man. She's got it for... going on. And like I say, she's committed to the future of black children in this city. It's a shame. She's the best kept secret out here. So, hey. Yeah, well, thank you for your call, Joe. Thank you, Brother Elliot. And y'all brothers, keep on keeping on. But I'll listen to the rest of the show. Thank you. We're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Um, I think our guests will be, probably be joining us after the break. We'll be right back. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Exactly what is there in one million black folks united in their will and purpose? 
What is in a million brothers and sisters who are tired of the same old rhetoric, the same old leaders, the same old ways of dealing with political and economic empowerment? What's in such a group of one million blacks who are unapologetic about their identity? What's in that same group collectively and cooperatively who are willing to sacrifice some of its members' time, talent, and treasures for the uplift of black people in this country? Considering our relative position within the political system, it is rational to believe that one million like-minded black voters could affect positive change by leveraging their votes to obtain concessions from candidates prior to and after the election. If you want real change, get involved with one million conscious black voters and contributors. The movement is now. Get involved and get information at info at I am one of the million dot com. That's info at I am one of the million dot com or go to www I am one of the million dot com. Again, that's www I am one of the million dot com. Get involved with real change. Somebody gotta be losing it. Somebody gotta be winning it. Somebody gotta be 
Jamal from the cages. Rewrite the pages and teach all ages justice. Tell me what we want now, justice. From Amiya Abu Jamal, justice. For Amadou Diallo, justice. There is no peace without Wanna test the team? Why? Give the best. You don't wanna be cursed in a hearse, but a bless. KRS with a new star for the East and the West. Fallin' a fallin' a fallin' a fallin' a bees on a quest. Fallin' a fallin' a fallin' a fallin' a bees on a quest. Fallin' a fallin' a fallin' a fallin' a bees on a quest. Fallin' a fallin' a fallin' a fallin' a Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. And we're joined this evening with our spe- by a special guest, historian, lecturer, and master teacher, Rabbi Ashford Quasi. He'll be here in Philadelphia in a sponsored event by one million black voters and contributors, along with African Temple of Mayotte and Time for an Awakening. We're sponsoring Brother Ashford Quasi here for a special event at the African American History Museum, 701 Art Street in Philadelphia. On Friday, May 22nd, 7 to 9 p.m. Donation is $10 at the door. Bring your whole family. Bring a friend. Bring everybody. Come out and see Baba Asher Kwesi. He's with us this evening on the line. Baba Kwesi. What's up, Brother Booker? Time for an awakening. That's the ancient comedic word for Nahest. And we definitely need a Nahest awakening. And I'm uh, trying to get my energy up flying on these planes. Just got off of the plane <laughs> It was delayed coming from uh, Memphis, so I want to apologize. Been on the uh, coming on a little late here. No, no, no problem. You know, <laughs> we, we talked early in open forum, and and several folks brought up the relevancy of our ancient past history into what we're suffering now. And I know, as an historian, and you see what's going on among our people and the different the explosion in the different cities. Um, whether you're talking about Ferguson, Baltimore, the different rebellions that are popping up and it's it's more coming on the horizon, you see what's happening. And you also have seen the primary evidence of our ancient past. I know that you can tie this in and see and explain to our people how this is relevant to move forward. Before you answer that question, I want you to... Uh, Give our audience some reflections. I haven't had you on since uh, Dr. Ben went to join the ancestors. Uh, But as a person who was your mentor and your teacher, uh, give give some reflections. Before you answer that question that I asked initially, give some reflections on on Dr. Ben's life. Yes, well, he's uh, truly our grand master teacher. And Dr. Ben, he showed us the way back home as his father uh, told him where the, the beginning is. Uh, as you know, Dr. Ben's background is a Hebrew. His family's a, a Hebrew from uh, Gunder, highlands of Ethiopia. He's a better Israel, Falasha background. But as uh, Dr. Ben came more into knowledge of self, his uh, father exposed him to a private uh, library that Dr. Ben occasionally would see him go with a uh, key and I could unlock that uh, library uh, cabinet that he had these special books in, and 
and he told Dr. Ben uh, that, son, it's time for you to learn the origin of all your knowledge and revealed to him the ancient African Nile Valley civilization that gave birth not only to humanity but also birth to religions as we know it today, no matter whether it be Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, Krishna, the spiritual system coming up out of Africa. As we know, all anthropological evidence, scientific evidence, has validated that even African people gave the first people on the planet Earth. So that's why uh, it's referred to as the Philippian too. So Dr. Ben, he... He was, the, he was the one that led us there in his great books, uh, Black Men of the Now. That's the book I came in contact with back in 1973 and uh, when I heard him at Long Beach State and a uh, powerful lecture, the information. I did not know I was in the political movement at that time. Uh, this, fighting as, as the youth are fighting today, I was fighting the Gestapo beast LAPD who had killed my friend as well as killing, killed many others. And, but one thing I saw that was missing and uh, when we uh, would go through this adversity, that we find ourselves in the midst of the, the enemy as the deity in places that were you know, fallen soldiers and warriors, young warriors. And so we, we would end up in these churches with these images and representations of this white Jesus. So Dr. Ben, he exposed... Uh, the media uh, knowledge of the, the the black divinity, not only the black divinity but the black deity, the black god, and said our ancestors documented this on the monuments and temples, which I validated myself with the eyewitness account and making that journey back with him in 1981, and spent 14 years researching with him, traveling with him in Egypt, uh, also in Sudan, the ancient land of Kush, as well as returning back to his home. Uh, his village up in the highlands of Ethiopia and Gunder. As I said, that's his, uh, his background. is a Hebrew background. So that's been my journey now for 35 years of my life with this grandmaster. I would not be doing what I'm doing if it was not for Dr. Ben, who gave us so much great wisdom. His books, Black Seminary and Black Clergy Without a Black Theology, he covered so many areas that affected our lives. Uh, the cultural genocide in the Black African Studies curriculum, and uh, showing the cultural genocide right in the classroom where the psychological gas chamber takes place on the psychic of many of our children uh, to this very day. And we think we send our children there, as he said, and to be educated when, in fact, we send them into a, uh, a mental psychological uh, dungeon and torture uh, in these uh, European classrooms. And so many other works that uh, he has put together, uh, books like... Uh, the need for a black Bible and, and talking about how, you know, we as a people have got to draw from our ancestors and start to write the spiritual stories as our ancestors did thousands of years ago on ancient papyrus, uh, where in fact paper gets its name from, uh, and also on the monuments and temples and drawing from that wisdom and drawing from that knowledge of those great Kari heads and, and great teachers of the Tahotep and Kajimi that for the most part it, they are oblivious to many of our people, even though they predate uh, the Western, Western world and predate all the uh, people that we know uh, from the biblical accounts. <clears throat> so this was the great wisdom that Dr. Ben departed to us and um, for us to go forward uh, with. Uh, so the, the tours that I'm doing and many others are doing would not be happening if it was not for Dr. Ben. Uh, he let us know that this was the Tanetta land, 
the original holy land with a sacred knowledge where even from biblical accounts or whether we're looking at the Greeks, uh, everybody's coming into Egypt. So considering that that's the case and considering that even to this very day, biblical archaeology societies uh, and as well as like uh, a man by the name of Gary Greensburg who wrote The African Origin of the Jewish People and the Moses Mystery, uh, you know, who, who's revealing a lot of the things that the grandmaster teachers like Dr. Ben, uh, Dr. John G. Jackson, uh, who wrote the Christianity Before Christ, Man, God, Civilization, and, and so many others, uh, Dr. Chancellor Williams and Dr. George M. James, all these grandmasters revealed this in their, in their great writings. And um, now that the Europeans are actually revealing and saying the very things that they have said for years, now we see that uh, many are <laughs> are looking at it. Uh, and now, uh, I guess the old saying, it ain't right unless it's white. Uh, even Robert Bouval, who recently wrote a book called uh, Black Genesis, uh, the origins of prehistoric origins of uh, of ancient Egypt. Now, Dr. Ben wrote Black Man of the Now, you know, showing that we came from the beginning of the now, where God happily dwelt at the foothill of the mountain of the moon. Uh, but a lot of people called me in regards to Robert Bouval, and I said, well, Dr. Ben wrote Black Man of the Now, and then we go into an area of Tia and showing these uh, stones around uh, uh, certain astrological events connecting terrestrial and celestial, but uh, uh, Robert Bouval's connecting Neptaplea. And Neptaplea is in the southwestern part of Egypt, but Egypt is the, is, the, is, is the first step into the African house, but it's not the whole house. The whole house, you've got to go down and enter Africa, uh, where many of the stories are told in the books in stone, as Dr. Ben has re revealed in so much of his material. So I think that this great wisdom and great knowledge that he has given us, and we got to hope that uh, his books are passed down for future generations, uh, for many other brothers and sisters to, to study and to, uh, to open up our mind. And no matter what faith that we may find ourselves in, as long as it's coming from a black theology and a black divinity, then I think this is something that we can use to continue to go into eternity and uh, without getting incarcerated and looking at things from one point of view and looking at us as a very, uh, very ancient people. So uh, he's, uh, in fact, I can look at Dr. Ben as, uh, as my father. And in fact, my father, my biological father, was a victim of the Korean War. So uh, being a very, very young man at that time, 26 years old, uh, when I uh, first started traveling with Dr. Ben, he was, uh, I looked at him as the father that I, I never had. He, he was uh, not only uh, his great wisdom and teaching, uh, but at the same time, you know, looking up at him and really having the, uh, the father effect that, that I never had, you know. Okay. So uh, that was my, my connection to him. Uh, and so he, he was my father in, in that sense and uh, in helping me and and being patient with me as uh, as a young man as I was at the time, uh, to uh, you know to carry on you know the work uh, that he you know was doing, taking brothers and sisters back for an eyewitness account. So he he's truly, as our ancestors said, there's no idea of passing in the African tradition when people say they passed or you know and and these kind of terms. There was no depth. It was a a term called kepara. And Kepara is a transformation. Everything transforms. Uh, we come from our mother's womb. We were another life form. We've been transforming. Uh, I'm going through a Kepara, a new dimension. Uh, it's definitely a new dimension since I stepped over 60. This is a whole new new dimension uh, for me. Uh, so that's the elder uh, Kepara. That's the elder transformation. So this is what it's all about. So he transformed from 
this physical life into the spiritual life as our ancestors teaching I told him uh, told uh, us on the ancient monuments and temples so we say that uh, you know may his spirit uh, fly on the wings of Ra for eternity uh, and and may his teachings uh, come back uh, from the spirit world to, to keep us in his great works and great wisdom uh, so we can uh, continue to go forward uh, uh, brother crazy the, the question that I asked initially because uh, before you came on we had conversation with several callers that was and I wouldn't say questioning the relevancy of uh, of our great past but questioning how they would apply it or how it's applicable today uh, with the sufferings of some of our people in a lot of these cities and uh, well in the land of our former chattel enslavement period not necessarily have to be in the cities in your opinion how are these things applicable today as far as changing our dynamic and uh, changing our situation well I think it goes back to what I mentioned uh, a minute ago when I okay. started this, this brief conversation in terms of uh, in my early days what I saw that we didn't have uh, a representation of a black deity nor a black divinity a divine representation our whole idea of uh, a spiritual realm is is in uh, a whole white angelical realm it's fact is white idolatry is to worship our white folks in all type of images and representations so we find that uh, that not only do we see the Gestapo your you know police force okay who've been taught to hate us uh, remember uh, what's his name uh, the what's the uh, the white cop that shot Michael Brown with uh, his name uh, do you recall his name uh, not offhand, uh, but uh, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, Wilson. well, yeah, Darren Wilson. Darren Wilson. Okay, right. What did he say on Nightline? What did he say that Michael Brown looked like to look like to him? He said he was a demon. See that? See that? See? You no, know, we you know what's in this this white boy's psyche that he said he saw Michael Brown as a demon. See, so this is what has been portrayed in the psyche. Uh, not only whites, but some of our people. Uh, when we get the negative things and the negative representations, it's come through some of those religions, okay? People have been taught to believe some of these things of the curse story, okay, and, and, and other negative uh, things, okay, and settled images and representation that, that our children watch in images and so forth. So this is the importance of drawing from our ancestral knowledge. After all, what we see in the Western world would not exist. If it was not for those great monuments, there's nothing like it on the planet Earth. They are the books in stone. They wrote endlessly on the ancient and first language of Medunetra, who the Greek Greeks call the hieroglyphs. Uh, without that, a lot of things that we know today would not exist. Uh, if we go to Ghana and we see that the Khan have a term called the Sankofa bird, and the Sankofa, they looked at the Sankofa bird that you must return back to your past okay, to retrieve what we have lost, to understand our present, to go into the future. So this is the connection. When we look at other ethnic groups that come here, and even whites, what do they draw from? They draw from their ancestors, people who live in Washington, D.C. they got ancestral statues and representations and images and everything, all connecting that they draw from, as well as other people drawing from. When you see Buddha, you know, there's nothing wrong with Buddha for Asians and Krishna, okay, for Indians. I mean, this, this is the representation of the, uh, the deity is to represent the people's inner spiritual 
divinity. And this is what was taken away from us during the time of that Ma'afa, during the time that we were kidnapped from the African continent. Here we see that what makes an eternal slave? Other people have been enslaved long before Africans were enslaved. Europeans were enslaving themselves long before, uh, before uh, African people were, were enslaved. But what makes the slavery different from this, the slavery that, uh, that they had and the slavery today is the fact that not only did they enslave us, but they instilled in us the concept of God looks like the very people who enslaved us. Uh, this is the worst form of enslavement. This is spiritual enslavement. In order to, uh, to get this out of us, we've got to draw back to a spiritual spaces and places that our ancestors had. We're not talking about mystical worlds. We're not talking about something that doesn't exist. We're talking about places that our ancestors laid down thousands of years ago on the African continent that others have drawn from to even make them as a people. So if others have benefited from the sacred knowledge of Kemet in the Western world and universities are teaching uh, various courses and sciences and so forth that were started by African people thousands of years ago. Now, I know people hearing this may have a hard time believing that because it's been instilled in us so deeply that we did nothing, and then in some cases that we know the terms that we were savages and heathens. So this is the representation, okay, that many of us have in our psyche, that the only worth that we have is connecting to white folks, okay, that it ain't right unless white folks give the approval. So our interaction uh, uh, with each other today is a lot of it is due to how we deal with white folks, okay, uh, look at our communities. We don't support, we don't patronize each other, all right? We'll patronize another ethnic group faster than we'll patronize ourselves. This is all due to that mafia. This is all due to a deep, settled self-hatred to make sure that we would stay divided. And by staying divided, slavery would work, the conquest of the mind would work, and above all, we would never come together like all other ethnic groups do naturally. They have that natural bonding as a people. I mean, Vietnamese, they just got off the boat yesterday, and they're in Southern California. They had no problem setting up their town, Little Saigon, no problem at all. You know, they're not fighting among themselves whether it should be Little Saigon, but they, no one destroyed that inner spiritual divinity in them, okay. that, that connection that, can, that makes them a people. And this is what's been destroyed in us, and this is the importance of making sure that just like on the plantation, we didn't go up the master's porch to teach, other, teach each other how to read. We went out to the bush. So we come into the communities, as Bobby Wright, peace be upon him, who wrote Psychopathic Racial Personality, he said we have got to have community So having these communities, when we come together in the community, where we're able to disseminate information for liberation without some white person trying to control it, telling us what to say and what not to say, this was the fear Brother Booker, in the early 90s, all right, when they attacked the whole African-centered movement, when they attacked Dr. Ben, attacked Dr. Clark, and many others, even myself, okay, who were out there reaching the students at the university level when they themselves were challenging the white professors and saying, How, you know, wait a minute, you're talking about Socrates and, and, and Copernicus when, when Imhotep and Ptahotep and all this sacred knowledge, our ancestors already had that. This became a fear. Cracks starting to, were starting in the, in the white supremacy educational system, so they feared that. Uh, there, there were black faculty members getting on board with this sacred knowledge, but unfortunately, okay, their checks were 
were controlled by the whites. So when they started to attack the whole African-centered movement, Africa became some type of McCarthyism today. So even today, we see that uh, the only way that uh, in many cases can you come in, it's got to come under the guise of multiculturalism. As I told one instructor, they said, well, we're teaching multiculturalism, fine. Okay, but the part of the multiculturalism, multiculture, okay, I'm coming with the African part of it. You bring a Chinese in to talk about their part of it and whoever else, but I'm coming with the African part of it. But that, that's a way of eliminating the whole consciousness and keeping the African mind, okay, from reconstructing itself, okay, and for us to come together as a people because they're benefiting from our ignorance. They can have other ethnic groups come here and feed off of us while we're in our, in our ignorance. They can come and uh, develop their, their own communities because of our ignorance of not knowing who we are to pull ourselves together as a people. So this is the importance of this, Brother Booker, you know, to open up uh, an African historical consciousness. That's the thing that they took away from us, a historical consciousness. Most of us only know the world at best at 2,000 years. That's the best that we know. We don't know anything much beyond that, all right? Okay. Even though we got the greatest places, monuments, temples on the planet Earth, nothing exceeds what you see there on the African continent. And, of course, as I always say, this is why when it comes to African treasures, African monuments, what our ancestors did, the extraterrestrials, somebody else had to do it. African people could not have done this. This is what they have implanted in some of our people's minds even to the point of some of our own people out there saying extraterrestrials built the pyramids and all of this, you would never find no one ever saying that extraterrestrials built the Parthenon, extraterrestrials built the Kaaba, extraterrestrials built the Taj Mahal. You would never find anyone else saying these kind of things. Only when it comes to the African continent, okay, do you find these types of things used on African people or extraterrestrials built the Welling Wall, and, uh, I mean, or the, or the or the Great Wall of China, and all these types of things. But when it comes to the African continent, up and down to now, whether we're dealing with the Shona people in Zimbabwe, with the Cone Pyramids, all right, where we see Aaron Smith, okay, that uh, racist killer uh, who actually uh, took the knowledge of the Shona people, okay, who actually built Africans who were called the Shona people, who built those Cone Pyramids, and said they had nothing to do with it. And Iron Smith said that this was uh, some ancient whites that came and built that. Or whether we'd be in Ethiopia with uh, Lalabella, and here you see these uh, churches built around 1100 A.D., and, they, and, and a European by the name of um, Gary, not Gary Greensburg, but Graham Hancock, who wrote the sign in the seal, said some white knights Templars came and built that. So this is this kind of psychopathic racism that we're dealing with, or even National Geographic coming out and talking about the Kushites, that they were black Caucasians, okay, who built those 200 pyramids in the Sudan. You know, so, but, but because we're oblivious to this, you know, and because we've been taught to hate each other so much, we don't rebel against the attack on our knowledge and our history because the majority of our people don't know it, okay, and in some cases don't even care to know it uh, because of that deep psychological uh, hatred that we have. Uh, I have to give respect to another man, named Dr. Richard King, who wrote his book, The African Origin of the Biological Psychiatry. And that's a very powerful book because Dr. Richard King said that, that our awakening, okay, has got to go deep down into a genetic memory bank. And that's really deep. You see, a genetic memory bank. When you walk around 
whites and everything, they're walking around with a white genetic memory bank. Mm -hmm. Asians are walking around with a genetic memory bank, okay? And that's that genetic memory bank that ties and links them to a people. Nobody's going to desecrate their ancestral sacred grounds or because they have a genetic memory bank to respond. When, when, when people were starting to burn the, re, burn the Quran, why do all the Muslims rise up? Because they have a genetic memory bank that connected them, okay, to give their lives for the desecration of their, their, uh, what they consider their sacred places sacred, and what they yes. consider their holy texts. What is so sacred to us, Brother Booker, that if somebody desecrates it, that we would give our lives, okay, to protect it? That's a serious question to ask. The only thing we give our lives for is going to the United States military to fight for white folks, to maintain his system of racism and white supremacy and maintain his system of multi, um, uh, multinationalists, okay, uh, who are exploiting the world, the multinational corporations who, are, who run this planet, okay? Uh, this, is, this is what we give our lives for. And come back here, and brothers come back here, and can't even get a job to feed their families. Uh, Bob Quasi, um, you know, you talked earlier about uh, the divisiveness, uh, and, and, and you talked about religion. Let me take this a step further, and and uh, and you you mentioned about uh, Doctor Ben being a Hebrew of Beta Israel, and you see now a lot of religions among our people here in the land of our diaspora and former chattel enslavement. Christianity is, is, I guess, the most popular. You have Islam, you have being a Hebrew Israelite, and others. But I, I want to look at what you said about Dr. Ben being a Hebrew Israelite and Beta Israel. And he didn't just believe it, he knew it and could prove it. Talk about the, how did he get beyond the religious aspect of him being Hebrew to looking at the spirituality of black people. Because that seems, you know, I talk with a lot of people all the time. And I talk with Hebrews lights. But that seems to be a stumbling block for them where they can't get beyond uh, the, the, uh, the, 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 the belief that Moses, for example, brought something that no one else had and that the Almighty was only dealing with Hebrew Israelites. When you had black folks, period, that had a lot of these principles long before there was a Moses. Uh, talk about how Dr. Ben was able to get beyond that. I mean, you talk with him. You had intricate conversations with him. Did he ever express some of these things to you? Yes, he, uh, he uh, you know, expressed that in, in many occasions uh, to uh, many of us uh, uh, on the tours and as well as in his lectures, okay, in terms of uh, how, you know, he was taught, you know, that this was his faith. This is what he, he grew up in. He grew up in the, in the Hebrew house, okay. He grew, he grew up, uh, as I said, his background. Uh, in fact, I was with him in 1983 when he returned back to his family from the time he was a child, to the uh, Gunder village. Uh, so, again, now, of course, when, when, you, when somebody has a faith, it's like anybody, whether it be Christian or Muslim or Hebrew, so you're growing up with this faith. This is all you know. Like him, he equally grew up with the faith of the Hebrew faith and, you know, the teachings of Moses and the Torah and the, you know, the first five books and, 
in all of this. That's been his father's background. So, of course, that was, uh, it was a, he said it was a slight shaking of his foundation when his father uh, exposed him to this library. And it was a library that he witnessed on many occasions that he would go to periodically and read books out of this special library. And when he exposed Dr. Ben to that, Dr. Ben had a hard time dealing with it because, you know, when someone has grown up with something, it's like anything, you know, you're taught that this is it. And he made his first journey back to his father, back to Egypt, back to Kim. His father said, you must return back, son. He said, son, you, you are raised in the Hebrew faith. That's your religion. But now you've got to understand the spiritual understanding of your people and how this came about where, where your people started this thousands of years ago. So he was taking him out of the circumference of what he has always known. So, of course, when Dr. Ben made that journey back to uh, Egypt, that's back in 1936, I think it is, 1936, and he was able to witness on the release many ideas that he was taught to believe. For instance, when he, in his, uh, he showed us many years that I equally show the group now, that let's go into the Mimizi house. And we go into a Mimizi house, and it's the birth house, and here we see a set. Uh, that a set, by the way, is the goddess who is created simultaneously with her husband, Asar. Now, here's the first man and woman created in the Kemetic term called Zeptepi, is the first time of creation. There was no Genesis yet, did not exist. Uh, but in this story, there's an evil brother. This is where the Cain and Abel story came from. And this evil brother is named Set. He kills Asar because he's a good man. And that became later, hundreds of years later, the Cain and Abel story. But, of course, a Set who gives birth to her holy child. This is where Christianity gets the holy Immaculate conception at. Here we see she's giving birth to, she's having a holy birth. It's told on the temple. But... Set, the evil brother, is out to kill her son. Feared that he might grow up and avenge his father's death, I saw it. So he, she has to hide in the papyrus swamps. And when I take groups back and put the biblical picture right next to it, the group gasps. Because anyone can see that that set in the papyrus swamps was literally copied, okay, and became Moses in the bulrushes. We can find these accounts one after the other. When we go to the West Bank, as Dr. Ben revealed, when he went down into the Temple of Ramesu V, which was one of his favorite tombs, and there you see these moral ethical codes, 147 of them. Okay, in the Medunetcher, I have not robbed, I have not stolen, I have not killed. And these are the moral laws of Ma'at. And there he was able to witness the origin of early spiritual morality, early spiritual moral codes that even predate Hammurabi. Because when the Western world, uh, when you expose this, and the Western world sees that the laws of Ma'at predates the whole Ten Commandments, okay, of, uh, of Moses, who got it on top of Mount Sinai, or Mount Horeb, one of the mountains uh, from Jehovah God, and then they say, well, uh, the, uh, Mesopotamia had, uh, had moral laws uh, as well, so it came from there. And again, they're trying to put it in Asia. But those moral laws equally predate Hammurabi. So here we see Ten Commandments was taken from the moral ethical laws of Ma'at. So when we look in Acts chapter 7, it says Moses was learning all the wisdom of the Egyptians 
and was mighty in the words and deeds. So even with that uh, verse in the scriptures, we see that there's some wisdom uh, that the early Hebrews are getting about a timid. Now, there's no argument about the fact, yes, there were African Hebrews, okay? Mm-hmm. But we've got to understand how that the, uh, the Hebrew faith came from the development up out of Kemet. Even when we see invasions came into Kemet, okay, many people took spiritual, as any conqueror or someone coming in conquering you, just like us, they're going to take the best of what you got, all right, when a conqueror comes in. And this is what happened to ancient Egypt. So when you parallel these many stories, okay, we've been indoctrinated into these stories from, from the our early days of the Bible. You know, this is what we've been taught. So, of course, we've been taught to believe this, that this is the Word of God, okay? Uh, we get movies and Cecil B. DeMille's movies. We get the new movies today with, uh, with Murdoch, uh, Rupert Murdoch, and he's writing the Moses story, the Exodus. And even European Jewish scholars are even saying that the Exodus story uh, never happened. It just was uh, basically, uh, you know, just folk tales and, and things of this nature. But when you go back and look at the writings of Nathan Kemet and, and see the parallels and see that, uh, now here's a story of Akhet Khufu. He's the one that built the Great Pyramid in the Giza Plateau. That same pyramid is on a dollar bill, by the way, but that's another story. But here he gave his wife, okay, a gold charm, and she drops accidentally drops it in a now. He said, and she came crying to him that she dropped the gold charm in the Nile. He said, no problem, I will get the Jedi monk. And the Jedi monk took his magic wand and parted the Nile. So that story was already an ancient story. Now, going to the Giza Plateau, you see the boat. This boat that was excavated in 1954 is Khufu's boat. And that boat was for the new Ankh. Now, what is the new Ankh? Okay, that is during the flooding of the Nile when... Symbolically, it was a symbolic boat that took place during the flood that Khufu would make his journey from the terrestrial now to the celestial now. And you have these huge oars that when you go there and see that you can look and say no man could move one of these oars. But the purpose of those oars were for spiritual netarus or what we would call angels today, spiritual divine ones, okay, to make that journey. So when you understand the whole story of that flood, okay, in that boat of Khufu, this is the idea of the new Ankh. So they took from this boat, a real boat that's still there beside his pyramid, and see that this is where the Noah's Ark story was, was told at. So, of course, when Dr. Ben started writing about all these things and doing the parallels and so forth, and this is where when some of these things start coming into the universities and whites were getting up in arms about it, and especially it got up in arms when uh, whites like Gary Greensburg, who wrote The African Origin of the Jewish People, okay, then they really became frightened when their own whites start writing about this, okay. And then some of us uh, didn't give it real uh, a lot of recognition when a black man, a scholar and grandmaster teacher like Dr. Ben was writing about it, but when they started writing about it, then we started to look at these things. That's how some of us start looking at the things that Dr. Ben had been teaching about for years, all right? So th- th- these are, when we look at these parallels, so where is this to take us to? What would you do with this? We've got to understand it goes back to that Kepara. It's about a transformation, okay? It's about a spiritual understanding. If we take it from the spiritual level, then we won't become incarcerated. We won't become dogmatic. 
we, we understand that this is a religious way of looking at it, but if one wants to understand a spiritual understanding of ourselves and our people, okay, we can't start time with a religious time period. Okay. And there are people who are of the faith, okay, who have been able to, like Dr. Ben and like others, okay, who have been able to take that black divinity and go into the church and even teach others to understand a spiritual understanding. So that's where Dr. Ben took it. And even though from the beginning it rocked his world, okay, but there was so much overwhelming evidence that was left on the, to the monuments and temples that he knew that he couldn't uh, deny it. And one of the things that stands out in all his teachings, I think the, thing that, the number one thing that, that, that connected Dr. Ben to this is the fact that how the woman was uh, demeaned, especially when we look at the Old Testament of Eve, okay, where, and he speaks of this a lot, of how, you know, she is the one for the world's sins because she was ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and seduced Adam to, to, uh, to do this, and Adam blames it on Eve to, when uh, we get the story of the biblical account that Jehovah God asked Adam, you know, uh, well, what, where are you? And, and it goes and finds that they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So the world, the reason for the world's sin is because of her. This is where Dr. Ben pulled together the spiritual system that African people had, that spiritual balance based off of Ma'at, that therefore there to be a god, it must be a goddess, and for there to be a goddess, it must be a god. So when you see accounts that let us make man in our own image, Anyone reading that verse, what, what happened here? Did they for us is plural, okay? So, you know, this is where the whole goddess principle was taken out. So when Dr. Ben started to study Kemet, he noticed that everywhere he looked, that goddess principle was there. It was based off of balance, like a saw and a set who were created simultaneously. He looked in the tombs and saw stretched across the tombs, you see Newt, the goddess of the heavens. Uh, using the anthropomorphic image, okay, the human representation of an African goddess. Why? Because from their empirical observation and the spiritual understanding, okay, of what they're looking at from an empirical point of view, they're saying that here the universe is a macro womb that we all came from. And they saw that like the sun, S-U-N, is, here we see the universe gives birth to the S-U-N sun, like the micro-universe gives birth to the S-O-N sun. This was called the Spiritual Dialectical Laws of Offices. The Dr. Ben actually got a book on it. He wrote a book on the Spiritual Dialectical Laws of Offices and showing that for there to be a larger spiritual realm, there's a smaller one. So here, Luke is stretched across the heavens. And this was one of his, his most favorite pieces of Newt and, and the African goddess and showing that this was the destruction of the African mind is where he lost the whole spiritual balance of the goddess, okay, especially with our youth today. If the youth understood, or if we had the spiritual teachings in our homes or in our schools owned and controlled by us about the spiritual goddess and how that micro-womb where we came from was identical to that macro-womb, or the idea of the goddess of Ma'at, spiritual balance, okay, of truth, justice, and righteousness, moral, ethical laws, all coming around this goddess principle that the Western world has demonized and vilified and called it pagan and heathen. And that's where Dr. Ben realized, that's what gave him the, um, 
uh, uh, that's what enabled him, so to say, to break the the whole uh, circumference, okay, or the gravitational pull of the religion, enable him to go into a spiritual space to understand what our ancestors taught and how the the people who came from the north were only looking at it from a a patriarchal point of view. So, of course, when you have the Hebrew brothers today and others, okay, they're looking at it from a religious point of view. So this is this is the dogma. This is the man. This is this is not based off of the empirical forces of Mother or Mother Nature. The, the, a lot of us been taught to look at it from a negative point of view. But until one gets into a spiritual space, then we can understand these things and we can understand who we are as a people, and one can do their teachings in that house, provided that that house is coming from a black theology or a black divinity and a black, uh, a black deity. Okay, this is the importance of having a black theology in the house. When, it, when, when Elijah Muhammad was teaching, you know, even though it, it had uh, the, uh, the uh, Muslim the Islam in there, but he, he was creating a black theology in that when he said a black God, okay, and then uh, some say, well, he's not tre- teaching a true Islam. Wait a minute. I mean, uh, the Shiites and the Sunnis are fighting over each other over there now. Okay, so one can't say what is the true Islam, all right? So when you look at the spiritual ideas that made even Islam, when we look at Gabriel, Gabriel was the foundation in the Hadith where Gabriel is the call, okay, that came to the Prophet Muhammad. And this is how we are told that the Quran was written through Gabriel. Now, when you go back and study Kemet and find that who is Gabriel? Gabriel is the netter to Hudi, the spiritual one to Hudi. To Hudi is known as the caller, okay, who gave the call that a set was going to have a immaculate conception. That's what we're told in Christianity, that Gabriel came in the back room and said Mary was going to have a holy birth. So we see that Judaism, we see that uh, Christianity and Islam takes Gabriel and incorporates it into their religious teachings. But, of course, if one is mentally blocked, then one would never see Tehuti. Okay. It, it even makes up the, the Western world. Is by the way, in the, in the Quran and Surah, it's called Taha, okay, who's equally says, which is the caller that Tehuti is. And I know when I say and talk about these things, the majority of our people, we, we don't have the institutions to even know. You know, when I say terms like Tehuti, Asar, Aset, you know, and, 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 and many other spiritual ideas, okay, but it's all in their, it's all in their, in their dictionaries, okay, it's all in, in, their, in their Bibles, okay. You go and look at the, 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 the Ma'at in Proverbs, and it says the, uh, the Lord will weigh, uh, weigh the heart on the scale. That is Ma'at. So this is the spiritual enrichment. This, is, this lets us know who we really are. Does somebody know something about African people that they don't want African people to know about ourselves, and it goes deep back into a genetic memory bank that goes back countless thousands of years, Brother Booker. And that's our spiritual awakening. And I think it's that awakening that once it awakens, that it's that spiritual balance that made this world, and it's that spiritual balance of the awakening of the African man and the African woman that will bring that spiritual balance back to this world once that awakening takes place. We're, we're joined this evening in conversation with Baba Ashford Quasi. He'll be here in Philadelphia 
uh, at the African American History Museum at 7th and Arch on Friday, May 22nd from 7 to 9 p.m. The donation is $10 at the door. Uh, we'll go about another 10 minutes because we kind of extended things for you, uh, Brother Grace, to get on. Before we leave tonight, I want you, because you talked about education uh, just a few minutes ago, and and you also talked about our people looking at our oppressor as a deity, at least subconsciously. We look now at a lot of these schools that are closing in inner city neighborhoods nationwide, and our people complaining to politicians in particular, both Democrat and Republican, about education and the education of our children. That, that you know, do our people really understand that the first, the first organized school systems came from our people? Even the basis of university systems came from our people. The the early fathers of what they consider Greek and Roman culture came to learn at universities that was on the continent. Talk about the need for our people to really not only educate our own children, but to rediscover our own school systems and how we taught our children. Because, I mean, the reason I'm saying that is because you see the primary evidence. You have seen these things. Uh, You know, a lot of our people read literature from the historians such as yourself, such as John Henry Clark and Dr. Ben, but you've seen this evidence. Talk about the need for our people to really understand that we should and can teach our own children. Uh, yes, sir, Brother Booker. This is where the crisis is. Uh, you know, that, uh, I mean, if a cat goes to dog school and the cat comes out saying bow wow instead of meow, then you know somebody messed that cat up. Uh, I, I hate to use those kind of analogies. <laughs> well, I'm quite sure people can understand it. <laughs> right, you know, you, you use these kind of things so we can understand uh, what is going on. Uh, yes, Brother Booker, you're absolutely right. As I said before, uh, African people built the world's first universities, that many of the Greeks uh, came into Africa, even though uh, our children go into schools and they have to learn about Plato and Socrates, and nothing is told to them where these Greeks got their knowledge from, okay? They're told about Aristosthenes that gave the circumference of the earth. But long before him, Imhotep already did that, gave the circumference of the earth, a position 2,000 years before Hippocrates. But let's go to the temple that we use annually every year, and that's the temple of Ipidasut, dedicated to Amen. Jet black deity, jet black god that we still say at the end of our prayers. Here, this great temple, you can put the Vatican, you can put the Westminster Abbey, you can put the Kaaba, you can put the, uh, the Welling Wall, as well as the Dome of the Rock, okay, the Westminster Abbey, okay, still comfortably down into this temple. Here, 80,000 students matriculated in this great temple of Ipidasud called Karnak today, Brother Booker. Now, imagine if our children had that from day one. And to give you an example of an experience that I had, and I always tell it because it was so profound, where a young lady brought her son back to Egypt. And she said she brought him back because he was failing in school. I said, wow, he gets a trip to Egypt because he's failing in school, but it was the best thing she did for him. Here, this young man, witness on the walls of the the Pa'ank, which means the house of life, which would be a present day called hospital today. 
here are the many medical instruments of Enotep. You could see all the instruments. Well, one sister who's a medical doctor broke down and cried because she couldn't believe that racism was so vicious. How can I look at this, these monuments and these temples in 3,000 years and I can identify all these medical instruments and I have to take the Hippocratic Oath that I, was, I would practice the medicine according to that of Asclepius, which she didn't know Asclepius in Otep almost 5,000 years ago, who built the world's first stone building and architect too. And here this young man, back to him. So I meet him years later, and he said, Brother Crazy, I'm in med school. I'm sure he's a doctor now. I'm in med school because of the profound impact that had on him as well as all the other information in temples and monuments and all the places that we had gone. This is where the saying, knowledge is power. When a brother wants to play football and basketball, because he sees black men in it. We don't, our children don't see our own people in this knowledge, but the fact that he came back and saw all the African black folks on these monuments, okay, looking at the oldest colossal on the planet Earth, the largest colossal, raw harm actor who the Greeks call the Sphinx, clearly seeing this African face here, that opened his African ancestral genetic memory bank. And from that point out, he has been on a power journey. And this is the fear. Keep in mind that what made a slave, Brother Booker, they took away our knowledge. They took away who we are as a people. This is what makes a slave. You've got to eradicate the history of a people in a slave. And then you can make a slave. You can have a book. When they, Brother Booker, when they, the boy, we've got to study this term boy. When the master called us boy, because he knew that when he enslaved us, we didn't know anything beyond him. Everything we knew is what he taught us. So he said, come here, boy. We call our son. That's my boy, because your son knows nothing beyond you. So by him calling us boys, we didn't know anything beyond the master. We become men, Brother Booker. When we become masters of our African ancestral knowledge, and that makes us masters of ourselves. And this is the fear. Because we will no longer be mental slaves. And that's what we are today. So if we can build churches in every corner, why can't we build schools? When Dr. Onion Palmer, who built Marcus Garvey School in Los Angeles, that my children went to Marcus Garvey School in Los Angeles, and this showing the power of the knowledge where Marcus Garvey School competed with Bel Air and Beverly Hills, okay, and surpassed them. And then the white star saying, what formula is Dr. Onion Palmer using there? And then uh, U.S. News and World Report came out and said, well, the problem with uh, black schools like Marcus Garvey is they teach a lot of black stuff. Well, it's the white stuff that has empowered the white students, and it's the black stuff that they fear that will come out of black students. And to show you just how, the crisis of how bad things, there was an incident one time where I was in Dr. Onion Palmer's uh, uh, office, and a sister came in, and what happened is his, her son was failing in the public school, making D's and F's, so, you know, someone, someone told her, well, roll him in and Marcus Garvey might do better, and he did. This young man was a genius. He just had to wait. He, he, he was in love with his own black self, but nobody was tapped into that power. 
turn into a straight-A student. Now, this is the problem with the parent, though. The parent came to Marcus Garvey School, Dr. Onion's office, who built, Dr. Onion's one who built Marcus Garvey School, and she came in there. She said, I want to talk to Marcus Garvey right now. And Dr. Onion said, well, I'm going to have to make a call to heaven so I can talk to Marcus Garvey. What? <laughs> so she, first of all, she didn't know Marcus Garvey. Okay, she wants to talk to him. Then she realized the school was named after Marcus Garvey. And she said, first, well, I want to know why you teach him all this black stuff. He said, you brought him in here, he was failing. And now he's doing very well. She said, well, I've got to take him out because uh, I have to tie uh, a couple hundred dollars more to the church every month. See, this is where we are at. Here, this young man is a real genius. How many of our students are sitting up, black students are sitting up in these white classrooms who are geniuses and who are rebelling against the white supremacy educational system and they're putting them in, in, in special ed and all these things when in fact they're geniuses and just tapping in and they know even myself I knew something was wrong as a child when I asked the preacher why don't we have any black angels up up on the wall. I dare you to ask a question like that. The devil must be in you. So, so this, is, this is what plays out in the mind of the neo slave today. And collectively, until we start to build our own institutions, when other ethnic groups come here, that's the first thing they start building, their businesses and their own schools. And the first thing we do is run to the master, politicians, trying to integrate in the classroom, trying to do this for a classroom, and nobody wants to take the resources of all the billions of dollars that we have that we give away every year in the multinational corporations and all these little uh, trinkets of today. And we can't educate our own, our own uh, children and our own people, but yet we are the ones who educate the world. Up and down the Nile, you've got the monuments and temples. You've got carved in stone mathematical tables there. You've got the, you got the utmost mathematical papyruses that Pythagoras got his Pythagorean theorem from. And then a European who excavated one of the papyruses put his name on it and called it the Rhine Mathematical Table. But our children, even to this day, got to take and learn the Pythagorean theorem about the apostanuse. That was taught in Kemet thousands of years before some uh, uh, Pythagoras. There's no pyramids in, in Greece. There's no pyramids in Europe. Those pyramids are on the African continent. It took the high sciences to build those structures that they still can't figure out how it was built today. When in fact what they used is right in front of us. And what did they use? The golden ratio. This in everything. Whether we're looking at galaxies or whether we're looking at nature and looking at that spiraling motion or just take and put your fingerprint right up to your face and you see it in a spiral. So even the structure of the pyramids were built in the formula of the golden ratio that our children are told that this is the Fibonacci, okay, uh, 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 numbers in nature. <laughs> Baba Crazy, give a little... Um because we're coming down the home stretch here of the program. You'll be here on Friday, May 22nd, from 7 to 9, uh, the African Mystery System, African Sacred Knowledge Hidden in America. Give a little, for every for anybody that haven't seen uh, Baba Kwesi's presentations, they're always dynamic, 
uh, filled with a lot of uh, primary evidence, uh, uh, slides and, 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 and stories and pictures so people can see exactly what he's talking about, not just hear him talking, but you can see it for yourself. But give us a little, just a little preview, a little taste of what uh, what the people might see or, or, t- or, or did you talk about that evening? Okay, uh, thank you, Brother Booker. First of all, I want to thank uh, you, Brother Booker, and also Brother Mikasa, uh which Brother Mikasa, both of you annually every year who uh, bring me in for this African University and the African, um, you know, to lecture on the many topics that cover so many areas. And I come with visual documentation to help awakening the African mind to help awaken the African ancestral genetic memory bank. So we're going to follow the chronology. We're going to go back to the fallopian tube. We're going to go back and show how our ancestors started their early beginning. What is the mystery system? It's the study in the spiritual system of nature itself, okay, and how our ancestors, the greatest monuments on the planet Earth, we're going to show the faces and the images from the temple. We're going to show Ipidosut and the monuments and temples uh, that uh, brothers and sisters who return back with us every year, as I said, now 35 years, 14 years with Dr. Ben, and show without question that these things that show how all of this was copied from African people and, and from presentations like this, this is the key to unlock the secret, and that is the secret that still lies dormant in many of us. So by coming together and, 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 and uh, having the presentation, it would be impossible for me to really uh, just stand up and talk about this sacred knowledge. But seeing the, the information, the documentation of 35 years of my life, and also showing all the things that they did, Brother Booker, trying to destroy it, all right, and trying to block it from the African mind and, and really from the world's mind, what African people have done. And so these are the, some of the things we're going to cover a lot more than, of course, that we have time to even talk about here. But, of course, as I said, images shape our reality. But that's what it's all about, bringing it together for brothers and sisters to have an have a eyewitness account to empower us as a people. Bring our children out. Bring the family out. That's, just what, that's what this is all about. And like I said, if somebody told me, uh, Brother Booker, back in the 70s, uh, Kwesi, you will, you will travel the world, you will lecture to many brothers and sisters about Africa, I would have had a hard time believing that, Brother Booker. Because I equally, as Brother Khaled used to say, uh, peace be upon him, another warrior scholar who uh, in many of my early days learned a lot from him, he said, the same dog that bit me bit you too. So I eagerly. I uh, had a problem with uh, the fact of what African people had done. And t- until I went back to, to see it for myself, as Dr. Ben said, I can take you and show you. So what, because it is new technology today, I can take brothers and sisters back and show them as well, as well as in my lecture showing brothers and sisters there with us as I'm showing the reliefs and alignments. So, again, all we say, hey, come out for an open mind and let's unlock the genius that's been lying dormant that's what this is all about, uh, to educate the liberate. This is having an African university. So if one doesn't know what their mystery system is, that's life itself. And the knowledge, I'm going to show how America still has this knowledge locked up. It's in, in many cases, it's right in front of us. Uh, Africa talks to us all the time through architecture, through symbols. And many people, I just came back from Memphis. That's why I was late coming on the show, but I just got off the, shame, the plane. And people gasp to see those comparisons without question uh, that these things were stolen. But we have to keep in mind, Brother Booker, that we are a stolen people. We were kidnapped from Africa. We are stolen people. So it's an intelligent question to ask, what else has been stolen? And that is the sacred knowledge. And that is the knowledge of liberation. That is the knowledge that's going to pull us back as an African people.
I want to thank you for being with us this evening. Looking forward to seeing you on Friday. Uh, before you leave, I would crazy give out any contacts, any information you want to give. Uh, I think for people who are interested in the lecture, uh, it'll be uh, this Friday, okay, at, at the African American Museum. As uh, you mentioned, Brother Booker, it's 7 to 9, uh, so we want to be on time. And the number is 215-510-0467. Again, that's 215-510-0467. That's Brother Makasa. This is the African Temple of Ma'at. And if you want to go to our website, just to get a little synopsis of some live footage, with, I'm right there with the group. You can go to Kemet New, that's spelled K-E-M-E-T-N-U.com. And once you bring up the site, there are black boxes on the left, and one of them will say videos in Egypt, view videos in Egypt. Click on there, and you'll see me live right there at the monuments and temples and some of these places that I've talked about, or go to um, YouTube, and that's at Kemet New again, K-E-M-E-T-N-U.com at 6,240. And I'm right there in the field, and there you can see. But, of course, the lecture will have a lot more, than so don't think because you watched it on there that you got it. No, 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 no. The lecture got a lot more that we're going to be talking about and revealing the secrets that America has this functioning off the sacred knowledge of African people. We'll be looking forward to seeing you on Friday, sir. And thank you for being with us. Thank you, and I'm honored always, Brother Booker, to be on uh, the African, uh, your African uh, University uh, Radio for Education for Liberation. <laughs> Peace. Thank you, my brother. Johnson. We'll be right back to wind up the program. are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. 
exactly what is there in One Million Black Folks United and their will and purpose? What is in a million brothers and sisters who are tired of the same old rhetoric, the same old leaders, the same old ways of dealing with political and economic empowerment? What's in such a group of one million blacks who are unapologetic about their identity? What's in that same group collectively and cooperatively who are willing to sacrifice some of its members' time, talent, and treasures for the uplift of black people in this country? Considering our relative position within the political system, it is rational to believe that one million like-minded black voters could affect positive change by leveraging their votes to obtain concessions from candidates prior to and after the election. If you want real change, get involved with one million conscious black voters and contributors. The movement is now. Get involved and get information at info at IamOneOfTheMillion.com. That's info at IamOneOfTheMillion.com. Or go to www.IamOneOfTheMillion.com. Again, that's www.IamOneOfTheMillion.com. Get involved with real change. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. And before we leave the air this evening, I just want to thank again our guest. We was an open forum, all the guests that called. Uh, Bob Asher Quasi, who came on with us uh, to kind of preview his uh, lecture that uh, will be in Philadelphia, sponsored by the One Million Black Voters and Contributors, African Temple of Mayotte, and the Time for Awakening Radio Program. Uh, Bob Quasi will be here in Philadelphia on Friday, May 22nd, 7 to 9 p.m. at the African American History Museum here in the city at 701 Arch Street, Philadelphia, PA 19106. That's Friday, May 22nd, 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, anybody interested in vending? The space is limited, but contact Brother Mukasa Africa at uh, or text him or call him at 215-510-0467. That's text or call Brother Mukasa Africa at 215-510-0467. 0467. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always. And we'll be back next week, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon. your children playing after school They seem to be so unaware I know, I know The things that they'll soon have to take care of children 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.